thing that we do that thing we do what is that thing that we do obviously not i can hear quiet. crickets again i have to edit more crickets i am so tired of editing crickets we had it we oh let me introduce our guests at the top of the show so we have the um the two hosts of the average intelligence podcast nate Ryder and gary o hello joining us today How also are you doing? known as J- jedi nate and gary o underscore uh, o Underscore. If you don't put I'm the sorry. underscore, you're never going to And Jedi and eight on the Twitter. He's just leet. I am leet. And we are the best children of pop culture and mama media. Yes. Um, which is a great tagline that I very much enjoy. That's why I throw it down every time I can. Once I came up with it, it was like, we, we're we, owning it. We need it. to own that. It's, yeah. It's got to be ours. Um, <laughs> have uh, you copywritten it? No. Um, no, but That's we have fine. dated. We have it dated. Thing, so it, yeah. <laughs> don't try to steal our lines. So, no, well, it can be used in a court of law. Technically, if, if you it. email it to yourself, that's yeah. a form of copywriting. So, um, well, I thought stamped and addressed. Yeah. Yeah. You've probably but all, done but that I mean, already also, if point. you go to the blog talk I'm very radio, cheap. Like, it is dated when, our fir- when we first started using it as 2008, yes. I believe? Um, 2009 was four-year anniversary. Oh. The week before my birthday. So March we're barely 30. coming up on our one year. Well, yeah, uh, pretty soon, actually. Yeah. Very soon. This is number 48. Well, this is is the first podcast we're doing of someone else's, so yeah. we're, we're oh, cool. very honored to be here. Well, thank you. It's a very honored to have you. Yeah. We know nothing about music. Yeah, well, we, well, we, know what, we know what we know about You could have just one so okay, more thing. We know nothing, period. Hey! <laughs> it, it is a true fact. We also really don't know anything about music as well. Yeah, but we're strongly we're really good. Yeah. We're really good at faking it. No, oh, I, I, I actually know quite a bit about music. Uh, Steve's not getting on board with yeah. this. I'm using the Royal Wii this week. Royal? Did you see the, the Royal Wii? He, he was flourishing. <laughs> yes, it, radio I, audience, did you not see the pinky? Um, there's a profile. We do a lot of visual jokes. <laughs> That's a bit of a gap. So do we. I, 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 I always do. I, I refer to finger quotes constantly, and it drives him bonkers. <laughs> um, so this week, our album review is a, a, a little bit older album that was brought to us by the gentleman of Average Intelligence. He didn't do it, Steve. What well, did I do? He didn't do his week in review. There's nothing That's to promote. right. He didn't do it. There's, There's nothing no, to promote. You do that. You have nothing to do this week? We, well, no. Last week, I went to see the concert I already spoke about at the Way Station. You're telling the me that there was a dull week in no, Stormageddon's life? There was just not really much to say. Stormageddon. I mean, I, I do want to actually give a <laughs> shout since Stormageddon. You, since you keep bringing it up. to the coffee shop. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to Broken Hungry or Broken Hungry who want who have uh, voiced many times now they do want to be on the podcast with us they have a new record coming out towards the fall and we're in talks to have them on possibly in July or August so more to stay tuned with that they performed at the Waystation last week with the Wasties and Painless Parker I'd seen them and that's when I spoke to them I've actually had Painless Parker on my podcast our podcast the steampunk episode oh he's, yeah, yeah he's right. a great guy which actually if you find us, go to averageintelligencepod.com because I'm going to plug us. I'll post it. Thank you. Um, I'll make it the featured episode, but it's like two hours of just breaking down everything about the pop culture. Uh, of steampunk. steampunk. Yeah. The music, the dress, we have experts. Where it came from, where it started, what everything. people are doing with it, the subcultures within. It, it was 
intense. Weeks ago, we had the Wasties on as uh, the, the entire band, and Gnome, who's Painless Parker, is in that band as well. So we got to talk to him about Steampunk as well. We had them on to promote Steampunk World's Fair before they went. So, um, so yeah. Gary, so we, Gary we, is well versed in the Steampunk. And, and, we, and we do intend to have him on as Painless Parker as well because uh, his Painless Parker work is great. The stuff he does with Man... It, he's, he fascinates me as an artist because he took punk rock and turned it into Steampunk mandolin music. Well, mandolin music because there's no such thing as Steampunk music. But mandolin music based and rooted out of punk and you can hear it. Nice. Which I, which I really like. I saw this article making fun of hipster towns in America, or up-and-coming hipster towns in America, and one of the key bits of comedy there was any person who decides that they're going to play mandolin professionally for a living. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> if your town is full of that on uh, various stoops. Yeah, I then... just end up thinking about the, the minstrels in Monty Python and the whole oh, brand. Of course. Brave, brave, no, brave, they, they're, not, they're not hipsters. Sir they Robin. go to SCA, so that's oh, yeah. their. Oh God, I know the and, SCA very well. Yeah, and David they the ate Sir Robin's minstrels, and there was much rejoicing. Hooray! <laughs> All right, moving on. So, um, Gary, why don't you tell us the album that you brought us today? Well, we um, are giant nerds. Huge, gigantic. Shocking! I would have never figured that we, out. We, I gotta put it out that? there. <laughs> we barely fit in this room. <laughs> Oh, I didn't mean it. Oh, sorry. I've been using the MyFitnessPal, watching my calories. That's true. I'm, I'm bigger than you at this point. Thank you. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Awkward Silence <laughs> is also one of our trademarks. Yes. Uh, More room love... for Steve to put crickets. <laughs> Last enough. week we had an awkward pa- a pause, or no, two weeks ago, and we said, wouldn't it be, f-? and we heard the crickets outside, we said, wouldn't it be funny if we edited crickets in, and Steve put a fuss, and then still edited the crickets in anyway. Yeah, and every once in a while someone will drop the F-bomb, and I'll put a little beep over it here and there, and then it just becomes this big joke, like, hey, hey, Steve the editor, you want more work to do, you want more scanning endlessly through every single line of the hour and a half podcast? Like I don't bucket? know what we walked into. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is. Like, I do that, too. I whisper on the mic. This is well. actually a psychology session. Uh, uh, we're really not into tell music. Tell me about well, music is This is a four-year social. Uh, trust me. Yeah. I've been trying to improve. Yeah, I caught, I caught a bit of tension on the Star <laughs> Trek podcast. What's to improve? I'm pretty cool for a nerd. Okay, back on track. But we are obsessed with pop culture, so there's only one artist we could even care to discuss. Yeah, Weird Al. Weird Al Yankovic. He also cuts me off a lot. Of I my cut him off all the time. Weird I Al take Yankovic. all of his glory and I eat it Because why build to something and give people entertaining discussion? Well, can when I can just point. be a complete idiot and, and somehow he I, can yell at me. I picture you this kind of lover too. You just get done in five seconds, walk away. I'm not even saying it. All right, but uh, <laughs> we you picked because I was being deferring to you, running with scissors, which ha- actually is one of my favorite records by Weird Al as well. It, it seemed like a good way. It's kind of halfway through his career at this point. And, Came out in 1999. 1999. Yep. Uh, which of his albums was it? What number? Uh, oh, 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 God, I didn't. I, I didn't do. The I thought you were that kind of nerd. I think it's like his eighth. Hey, you have a binder. You do have a binder. Actually, I think it's his 10th studio album. Is it Hold 10? on. Uh, yeah, I do right, have notes. Right. Yeah, have notes. Check the notes. Reference Where's... the notes. But, um, 10th studio album. Yeah. Right. There we go. And he's up wow. to about 17 now, so it, it, it fits right about the middle. The man is prolific, he's... even if it's based on other people's material. A lot of times there are other <laughs> styles and stuff like that. The man... And he stays relevant. Like, people... People know who he is. He shows up. They're very, it's very ex- rare. You'd have to be under a very large rock to not know who Weird Al is. Right. One of my favorite. It seems like a good way to jumpstart our comedy album thing because yeah. we haven't had any comedy albums this far, uh, so far. We've just had oh, a bit of smattering of metal, a smattering of hip hop, indie, a lot of alt. 
Uh, we always said we were going to do comedy, and yeah. now we're finally doing it. Well, yes. closest we get is satire. And the, I think he's like the progenitor of satire comedy oh, yeah. in, in music. He himself, has, his influences are Stan Freeberg, who did a lot of stuff in, in the 50s, Tom Lehrer. Um, Dr. Demento. Doctor, well, Dr. Demento created the show. He wasn't yeah. so much. Um, but his true spiritual, uh, uh, not successor, um, predecessor. predecessor, thank you, is Alan right. Sherman. Who Alan Sherman, who back in in, in the early '60s was a guy. He's known for Mutta, you know, Hello Mutta, Hello Fada. Oh, that's true. Uh, and he did, and basically he would take either well-known instrumentals um, or or some pop songs. Like he did a version of of Downtown, in which he basically sings about how much he hates that his daughter goes downtown to Frug because he doesn't know what that means. Uh. Um, and again, and so he did that sort of thing in the '60s, and he was, you know, he he didn't sing very well. But he was clever. Right, so and I'm so, not mistaken. He's yeah. not the progenitor in that case. I, I knew there were a lot of other, well a lot of other uh, music comedians back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. I just didn't know that they were actually taking existing I, songs and redoing. A lot, them. yeah. I, I, Sam Freeberg, he, he's well known back um, where he did this version of uh, Heartbreak Hotel. Where he's basically making commentary because he goes, "Could you put a little more echo on my voice?" That did it, and then like one point the song, you know, where he's singing like Elvis, he then suddenly goes into ooh, and it becomes a completely different instrumental, and, and you know where the, the guitar goes off, he goes, "All right, all right, that's close enough for jazz," and he's basically making fun of the song and Elvis throughout, where he's but he's singing the lyrics straight, so it's interesting. Weird Al is one of those artists, though, who's unique because he is like the parody artist, or was the parody artist for years and years. Now, in the generation of YouTube and 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 web comedy like uh, Funny or Die, who do ton of music parody, Weird Al is now one of the parody artists and still probably one of the most well known. Certainly, I but he say. was for a lot of years the parody guy. He yeah. was who you. It was, was also, a badge of there's honor. There's an to improvisational be air about what he does. It yes. doesn't seem like it's very planned, structured comedy. I mean, he does write his songs, but it all seems very off the cuff, very. Uh, where he was just humming it one day and decided to sing something goofy instead. Exactly. I, I think. Well, I, I think, mean, the first recording he ever did was "Another One Rides the Bus" right. in the. Uh, bathroom of his dormitory that he just ran a microphone in from his recorder and just did it there. Is this right. the one that he sent in to Dr. Demento? Dr. Demento. And then when he did it live, he basically hid fr- he, he met a guy who was a drummer. He's like, here's my arca- my uh, accordion case. Just bang on that. And <laughs> the think... guy did, and you know, and he, and he would just yell into a microphone, you know, Duh! or honk a horn every once in a while. But mostly it was just him with his shoes on his hand clomping on the accordion case. And I think in a retrospect interview, Dr. Demento said something along the lines of, it wasn't the best piece of music on the planet, but it had some clever lines. So, yeah. That's that how probably he got explains a lot of it. It was also yeah. the fact that he was, a, you know, a really young kid at the time. Like, he was, you know, in college, like, probably 18, 19 or whatever. Those would be the ages. And I think the other big thing for him is image. I think it's very important to Weird Al's uh, oh, lies to stardom. Yeah. moderate stardom. <laughs> the curly hair and the big glasses. He branded himself. Yeah. I mean, the first ten years of his career was the Hawaiian shirt, Jufro, yep. glasses, and like, just when you saw it, Jewish. the name Weird yeah. just kind of went implied. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, his start closely tied to the start of MTV. Yeah. yeah. And he would he embraced the video culture and made parody videos that stood out very much, especially for the time when videos were really big at that time. Yeah, and that's what shot him truly into stardom because he would do... He, the, the one everybody knows is Eat It, 
Yeah, which um, he pretty much almost beat for beat, right. parodied the, the Beat It music. Video. Right, and to the point where when he made the video, he got the same two actors in, and that sort of thing. And, yeah. And, you know. And you mean for the knife fight? For the knife fight, yeah. Yeah, for the knife fight. <laughs> but, um, oh no, and, and it was one of those things, I think, that at the start of MTV, when there weren't thousands of music videos, and they would have to have a heavy rotation of Michael Jackson or Madonna, they can play, you know... Like a Virgin, 40 times through the day, and that one time a day they can play Like, like a Surgeon, a surgeon. Yeah, to break it up, it up, but refer the hit that everybody wants to see. Right. And I mean, I know he, I've seen at least three different specials of just his that were on MTV. Yeah, yeah MTV, they gave, they, there were certain days where they would give him Al TV. So I gotta ask you the raise question. your hand on a visual. On well, it's easier for us to actually give us. Okay. He's all about the visuals on an auditory, because he's deranged like that. Okay. I think in pictures. So, okay, the, my question is, then that actually points to something that MTV did that was good. Yes. Surprisingly enough, MTV was not all evil. At least in the first in, five in years. In its early yeah. days, it, it was it, a very was important actually, thing. Yeah, it drove forward pop music. Video Killed the Radio Star was the first music video ever played. 1980 or 81, came out very in, early. It actually yeah. came out in 79. I wonder if it wasn't. Was wow. yeah. Then they put a bunch of kids into a house and started getting real, and it ruined everything that from that point. That ruined everything. Because, I mean, they had a few shows beforehand, like Remote Control and stuff, but those were still within their boundaries. They were game shows, singled yeah. out. Yeah, like, singled, like even singled out, show. they would only do it during spring break, really. Yeah. So it kind of had a bit more of a freeform feel to it. And then Real World screwed it up for everybody forever. We can refer back to the... We'll get into the reality TV bit later in the album when we get to the track by track, but we might as well start moving into the breakdown. The first track on the record, The Saga Begins, which is a a parody of American Pie, storytelling, lyrical parody of the... The fourth Star Wars movie, numerically the first, the one we all want to forget. The one that quite the run-on sentence. I just want to say, but this was I'm good like that. Weird Al likes his hook, and so he likes to take a huge pop culture event. And what was huger in the late '90s than the the comeback, re, re, of, the comeback Star of Star Wars? Wars. Yeah. We were all anticipating it. There was not a none single of us person who didn't want. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. I'm still waiting on that comeback. Nobody. Expect- <laughs> There's episode seven. Yeah, and nobody expected episode one to be crap. But that's why, and I well, just want to point this out up front before we really dissect this. I could never accept this, I suppose coming from a 2013 standpoint, a, a whole parody song that, that's actually not really making fun of the movie at all. It's well, very much summarizing well, it. Well, the key to this, uh, do you want to... There are parody moments. He, there are some jokes he cracks within the Actually, lyrics. yeah, I can there, point a few out. All right, point a couple out. Well, I was going to say first. It, the funny thing was, when you, we listened to it before the show and on Spotify... They didn't even refer to the song as a parody. What it's was a, it? It was a, a it was an adaptation, a lyrical adaptation. But I think what made this interesting was the movie came out, I believe, in May of 1999. The album came out, I believe, in June or July. It came out right after on the heels, and the video is a yeah. the video Released is June 29th, 1999. There we go. So barely two months after it came out, and so it basically, so everybody was amazed because this because. It was an album. It was a physical album. You know, uh, uh, doing it just online was not quite a thing at that point. Yeah. So he had to have been working on it for months beforehand, and it was such a spoiler-guarded thing that he ba- had he get it so perfect, note for note. Yeah. Well, it, he hits every beat of the movie. Would he necessarily have had to 
uh, start it so early, though. I mean, a lot Fair. of this material, because I called it improvisational, it strikes me as the kind of thing that could have been written on. I no. that he had the, close to produ- He collected no, the information as spoilers, and yeah. it's detailed. It's yeah, no, the yeah. entire yeah. plot yeah. in the song. Like, yeah. No, I believe it. Some of my favorite Even the words. pronunciation's correct. Yeah. In the end, some Gungans died, some ships blew up, and some pilots fried. Like, that's directly referring to the whole Stormtrooper effect that is named for the Star Wars trope. Yes, but that's not making fun of it, necessarily. No, it really is. It's like, who cares about all the nameless people that die in these series? Because it's Star Wars. Tons of people that are getting more blown up. It's a shallow to, kind of joke, though. It's not really... It's not attacking I it. mean, one of, the, one of the things he does that's more humorous is not actually not done on... The album, but actually done live, which is when uh, he sings, you know, uh, with Qui-Gon, you know, I'm still here and he's a ghost. When he sings that live, he holds the he for about a minute. And then he's a ghost. <laughs> and that for live is amazing. But obviously he doesn't do that on the album. So I'm I mean, beyond that. As far it as must parodies, have evolved as a live. As far as parodies go by Weird Al, this one is more straight storytelling, like later on what yeah. he did on... I think it was Poodle, Poodle Hat, um, Ode to Superhero, which is Piano Man, telling the story of the first Spider-Man movie, right. the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of his songs tend to be just absurd for absurd sake. Right. There are the ones that stand out that it, it, it's kind of just letting each aspect of the song reflect on it. So there is the element of it being American Pie. Yeah. yeah. But he's being straightforward with the telling of the story and part of it is uh, how he basically is able to mirror american pie with the lyrics you know the battle droids were broken things like that oh no absolutely and and that's the point i was making where it's it's being so honest to both it's not a parody but it because he's very true to the melody yeah i mean that's that goes without saying but there's something here that's a little a little bit lacking for me i guess you could say that as a whole the entire track I don't know. If Where it's, it's just factual. It's just the telling. If he could That's part of it. If he was going to do a Star Wars, I would have preferred New Hope and St- Empire Strikes Back. Well, that's why he's Yoda. Yoda like this. That's why Yoda is. Uh, if yes. you're going to no, do a tribute, he already sure. did one. Yeah, but he already did one. But the main Yoda. reason, the re- main reason I'm, I'm pointing that out is because American Pie is a really epic song. It really is a one of the definitions of epicness in a story song, because of the content and the emotional feel and the fact that it's so prolific still in culture the content of Star Wars matches to this song yes. and I appreciate that the okay, content that actually, of Phantom Menace but you, you I'm not looking it. at it from 2013 you're looking at it from now you yeah, didn't we were waiting for this, this yeah. for 20 years Again, at this point this, the body hadn't cooled the movie had just come out every single Star Wars fan being the ones in their 20s which was us or the ones who were still little little kids which was no offense probably you guys you were so busy enamored by the fact that holy crap I'm watching Star Wars in a movie theater surrounded by Star Wars fans listening to John Williams music blare and seeing the words and you were just so enraptured by that that you didn't even notice that it was talking about bullcrap as like a 12 year old I can definitely so you can't that. judge but I want to go back epicness by now standards you can't I yeah. do want to go back John John I'm going to save you here. again John you the hook I'm going to save you because I want to go back and commend you for your early point the epicness of the Star Wars saga really did match American Pie the yes. epicness of what it had at the time because that's actually what I was going to criticize just a few seconds ago was I was going to say there's no reason necessarily that American Pie was the choice of song you just gave me a reason no Thank it's you. it's an it's an excellent combination I mean, no Thank you. I don't know. There's very <laughs> few songs I think that would be able to 
in this sort of style capture a movie like Star Wars or I mean how are you supposed to capture that epic tale you're not going to do it with any of the other 90s songs a lot of this comes from because Weird Al wanted to do something on on the new Star Wars it had to be the new Star Wars that was the really big deal in 1999, he that was going to be relevant, and, also and he did want to get the kid on. But he's yeah. he's for years done movie songs, and when he does the movie songs, it's it's either so the parodies are either a song, a parody of a 90, for example, a 90s song or a 90s movie. Like when he did Poodle Hat, it was a it was parodies of songs of that those years, the early 2000s, or yeah. the early 2000s, or the Spider-Man movie, which had just come out in the early 2000s, where he chose an older song. Piano Man, but put it to an early 2000s movie. So he's still staying in the time frame with the co- part of the content. He's always still in the time frame. And I'll give him props for that. I can't think of a better tune than Piano Man to do something like Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has the same epic quality. Too. Yeah, exactly. No, and they both but have that, man. Man. No, no, no. <laughs> it's got that it's got two syllables hyphen And suddenly man. devalued. Well, <laughs> actually, the, the song was called Ode to Superhero, not it's Spider-Man. It's not called Spider-Man. So. Oh, and it's well. it's a well, depressing like epic, which is the if you know Spider Man is a depressing epic tale. Yeah, I, we got you got okay, yeah, Give him props for his intelligence. It's so there on the whole, the song is it, it to say the song is bad is to say American Pie is bad. Yeah, blasphemer. So well, I didn't say that. No, I know, but I'm saying so <laughs> without. I would never say that. So without a doubt, it's a great song. It was for the time it was done well. Now we're all jaded and skeptical, but at the time it was really a perfect marriage of and song and, and content. Yes, yeah. and I, I accept that based on John's inadvertent point. And it also comes down to what that, he, no, that wasn't inadvertent. I did that on purpose. Truth be told, most of John's points are inadvertent <laughs> yeah. though. But it also comes down to some of the again stuff that you'd have to know about behind the scenes, which in the age of information we can know. Which is that originally, since he wanted to do something with Star Wars, he originally was going to do Pretty Fly for a rabbi, uh, rather for a Jedi, uh, which we'll get to later. Right, sorry, right. but it was going to be because he had the he already had Spoiler. the sorry about that he already had the okay for the the offspring song, but then he probably had the the um, the I can almost guarantee he thought up the 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 chorus right away when my yeah. my this year Anakin guy yeah so he got so he went and just for, probably shot in the dark and asked if he could get permission for from Don McLean right yeah for uh, for American Pie and he got the okay and it's like scrap it we'll do something else with, with and as far as I know he did get permission from LucasArts too he no, of course got, yeah he got all the information months and months before the movie came out Jordan well he wasn't allowed so this is a fact you're not, you're not speculating right. yeah. here he did get it yeah. months before yes yeah okay well, He's, according was... to Wikipedia, where I've done all my research, and I'm assuming people don't want to lie about Weird Al, <laughs> um, we hope. he collected all the information through internet spoilers and whatever he could, requested a screening from Lucasfilm that they didn't give him, had to buy a ticket to a $500 a ticket screening, and off that screening he only changed one or two lines. So, from whatever information he collected before, pretty spot on. Yeah. Mm. And, and this was in the early yeah. age of internet spoilers. It yeah. wasn't as what's, common. What's as scary that. is he's good enough to do that. He, well, it's Isn't the it? thing about Weird Al being the guy in the Weird Al t-shirt in the room. I was looking for mine. I couldn't find it. I, I, I don't it. have one. I wouldn't be able to focus on the film if Weird Al was next to me. Like, how did those people do it? It's a dark room. It was a $500 <laughs> ticket. They're you pay pa- attention. Weird Al is passe. They're too, bu- <laughs> they're too busy talking to, to Passe? Yeah. 99? Not well, ben, it's the middle. It's not. He wasn't the new fresh thing. No. But the thing is, like we Plus were discussing before, 
with the controversies he's had over some of the songs he tried to parody, he will go out and get the original artist's permission to do the song. I'm sure uh, with something like Star Wars, he wants Lucas on board. Yeah. Mm. He doesn't want everybody pissed off, especially if something the scope he was going for. So. And then that was apparent, because the, the video for the song, I mean, costumes, props, looked exactly like Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that was... He had a little proper no, Yoda sitting in the audience. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely done Completely with great care. mirrored Obi-Wan... Yeah, his yeah. look was like young Obi-Wan. Who was a great Obi-Wan. He's the only redeeming factor of the entire... Uh, Although, if you character. actually think about it, actually, Obi-Wan... Except that he was giving crappy jerk. dialogue. He was He's giving crappy dialogue, dialogue but, but he, he also becomes a real jerk, especially when you watch Revenge of the Sith, and he's sitting there, and his best friend, he just chopped him to bits, and he's lying there, inches from lava, and he's like, you, you were supposed to <laughs> save him, and he bursts into flame, and he's like, man, that's really gotta hurt. You mean the guy I'm that killed 40 kids... Like a couple hours yeah. before, but you know yeah. what? He could have still cut his head off, stabbed him, put him out of his misery while he was on fire. <laughs> please, okay, please tell me you've seen the Clone Wars cartoon series. Yeah, of course. Okay, then you know what? I'm okay with Obi Wan well, letting them burn to death right there. All right. I understand that decision. I, I know, Anakin was a turd. That's not the point. But the thing is, to <laughs> Quote me, of the night, <laughs> Anakin was a turd. As a character and an actor. Yeah, so. that's also true. I don't blame Christensen for his bad acting. I blame Lucas for being a bad director with actors. Oh, I blame all of it. Yeah, it, it was just travesty for The fact is, standpoint. if somebody had grabbed the reins I'm from sorry, Lucas and had some But someone it, thought it was a good idea to put in the script as a culminating I win phrase. It's over Anakin. I have the high ground. Actually, no, that's, that's a That's not line. been said since D&D sessions. At the no, same no, 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 time, no. though, was it was a nice. logical progression. That was basically more of, look, come on, man, look, I, I have a vantage point. It was point. so cheesy, it was, But then he... It was, it was a cheap execution of a, a logical thing they were trying to it's convey, which is simply, guy. like, you're too big for your britches. Yeah. You don't, you're, you're not adhering to the it was common the physical it's and like a guy moral who, high ground. He was it, It's almost like a guy who can't man. write dialogue. Oh, now you sound like George Lucas. Oh. Oh, I was about to say. George, that is such a George Lucas, Lucas thing. Lucas can it, be a like, little heavy-handed. It's, like, it's like a high ground. Okay. It's like a metaphor. For All right, so the words. problem is, there's a part, in, in, especially in Revenge of the Sith, where with one alteration would have saved the whole thing, and that's the whole conflict where uh, Palpatine is frying his own face and, 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 and Mace Windu, this... Song this talk about music has now turned into Star Wars I was about because to say, the average intelligence guys are here, and this is what we talk. about. We're dominating personalities, and we just uh, went into movies <laughs> two and three, it. which is completely irrelevant here because no one even knew about this at the time. Anyway, we're still an anyway, optimistic. I culture. have to get this out because this is something I uh, really wanted fixed. Because there's this whole thing where Anakin's like, "But we have to take him into a trial," and like, "But he's killed." Blah blah blah. We're gonna kill children. And, he's right. killed younglings. No, he hasn't killed children yet. Younglings. So then he oh, goes and he chop, right. He goes and he chops off. Uh, Mace Windu's hand and uh, uh, Palpatine goes unlimited power and and uh, Mace flies out the window and and uh, Anakin sits there crying. What did I do? I believe uh, the line if, goes something along the lines of, "No, no, no, yeah. you will die." Right. That's so, the but thing. the fact is, if he all that had happened is they're already having this discussion of we should take him in for trial. We should take him. You know, we have to kill him now. And meanwhile, Anakin has a purpose. Anakin distinctly wants him alive just so he can get the information of, of bringing people back to life and then dispatch him. He's trying to use the Emperor. So all he had to do was go up to Mace Windu, run him through his lightsaber and whisper in his ear, I need him alive. Kill Mace Windu like that, and then go to pick up the, the now, disfun you know, pick him up and go, what do you need from me? 
boom, Darth Vader is now taking accountability for being Darth Vader. And now, basically, he's not a whiny little idiot. He's now doing something so he can get information so he can then kill the Sith Lord. You wouldn't perchance be a, I'm going to say, student of the Plinket uh, Red Letter I, Media. I, critique, I, I've you? listened to them. I think they're very funny, but I, I, that came long before okay, I listened fair to enough. the Plinket stuff. Okay. credit them. I think lightsabers are pretty. Yes, they I'm with Gary on that. In an attempt to reel us back in and hey, move sorry, on. I'm sorry, I just had to... Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll, we'll spew music all over your nerdy yes. podcast at a later date. Uh, that's good. We, we look forward to that. Um, I, I love you. <laughs> I think John you has a new friend. You just the prequels. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, well, it takes a lot more Send than that. Send in your treatment. No, no, I'd be, I would have been happy. Anyway. Anyway, next song. It, my Baby's <laughs> in Love with Eddie Vedder. So this is one of Weird Al's just standard, kind of forgettable... Style pair. He did not play it's a style music. It didn't, he didn't play music during this. It was this. a Zydeco song. It was yeah. a, a, a Zydeco? Zydeco? I always heard of Zydeco. Oh, I don't... I always, he didn't yeah. play any music. There was a beat, there was an accordion. That's not enough for me in any genre with any type of music. Those two instruments, not strong enough. And also, to work to boot, there's no commentary here necessarily. I think well, it all came because Weird Al. a little bit about fan obsession. At the end. About it. I think at it all came because Weird Al's an accordion guy, so he wanted to do a really, just a flat out accordion song that wasn't a polka. And then. But the problem it, with this I guess is the, that the, the, the juxtaposition of grunge well, this, on top of it. Well, well, the topic of being Eddie Vedder, even in 1999, was kind of. Was over. way past it, yeah. yeah. And also, the thing is with, with this, you know, you want to do a true accordion track, it can work. But the lyrics have to be a lot more clever. And it wasn't. It was, really, a basic, yeah. it was basically, here are some terrible things that Eddie Vedder did in the 90s. That's it. Ticketmaster. Yeah. Right. Uh, my messed uh, up it, not being on MTV. All the stuff that went along it's with a that. Completely, it's completely... Uh, straightforward kind of giving them the raspberry. That's straightforward, basically it. Straightforward jokes. Forgettable song. Like, I didn't even remember that this was on this record until I went back and listened to it this week. I, I remembered it just because it's the second song and you kind of have to get through it to get to pretty to the next song. Pretty fly. Lines, yeah. she thinks she's so darn dysfunctional in Generation Xy. I mean, everyone was kind of Generation Xy in the 90s. So I don't really see... Why, why pro- pick on well, Except better. for you. Well, he wanted to get the phrase Generation Xy. Neither were you two. I'm well, telling you. Well, it was more so that Eddie Vedder was in the news a lot for some of his outside the music industry things he was doing, like ticket, the Ticketmaster thing and yeah. some other stuff. So I remember that. And so, fucking the trend on yeah, He wasn't the I only one. So that's why. Whereas in a lot of the other grunge pe- artists weren't really doing that. The, the big thing, though, is, it, it, I mean, they became famous because of MTV playing their songs, and then they went, yeah, no MTV anymore. And then after that, everybody kind of went, oh, yeah, Pearl, Pearl Jam exists. Except for the huge, <laughs> you know. Well, no. you, I mean, <laughs> once virtuality came felt out, the same thing about Metallica <laughs> after the Napster thing. Yeah. Um, like, Metallica's had some redeeming moments after that, but yes. But they they yeah. built their reputation on tape trading, and now yeah. the modern equivalent of it, even though you know yeah. so much more wide scale at the time. Yeah. No, of course. And they were real jerks about it. Well, well Lars was. Lars was. Lars, well, Lars, 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 Lars and it also, and, and it also comes down to this thing, though, where with that, it's, it's with music, depending on how good the music is, you might be able to separate personal from professional. You can't always, but like for me, Michael Jackson went through a lot of crap. And his later music, especially towards the end of his life, was not good. It had moments where some of the pop songs were still okay, but all in all, it was terrible. I think Scream but, was one of his last good, really good ones. But his early stuff still stands up and is still great music, some of the best pop records to come out. Everything through but bad, that's pers- But that comes to personal preference at that point, whether no, you can separate it or not. I can't. Not, and not some people can. when it comes to kids. Anytime a kid is 
threatened in whatever way. Mm-hmm. It, it, it never sits wrong with me. My day, well, awful, awful overnight weekend job is in pediatric ER. It, it kills me to see them in, like, sick kids. Right. I think my problem with, with so, that... So to think that this man more than likely did stuff to children on his ranch with his llamas and monkeys and special movie theaters with medical rooms for kids who can't scream... Um, validates the song. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying validates any of the songs, but I, I, I'm not a Michael Jackson apologist. He can't say, yeah. I, I, not even that I'm an apologist. I just, from what I've seen... Of him, I honestly don't think he was a sexual being at all. So I, I, I'm, I'm not saying he did anything good, you know. But I don't, I don't know if it was that far. Whatever it was, he was tiptoeing on whatever line. It should not it, have been. Exactly. I, I will say he, yes, he was definitely doing things that were not appropriate. Jesus juice apparently that, that, exists. That alone was, yeah. But, but I, never, I, I don't, I don't. Childhood, and that's the that's the the obvious answer which everyone yeah. defends him and chooses. But right, yeah. and it's clear he clearly didn't have a childhood, so he can I can see Think him about as a this childhood. And it's so, not just the childhood; his whole life oh, was yeah. just was pretty a series out. of random, monstrously changing events. Yeah. And, yeah, and so the and natural how did this progression to Eddie Vedder. I don't know. I, I don't know. We just can't stay on topic today. No way. It, it, um, it's our fault. We're, we're tangential. I'm okay with that. Um, so obviously the natural connection to Michael Jackson, Jews. So moving on. <laughs> he was oh, very close to them. He was. He, he was. had a lot of lawyers. There were a lot of lawyers. There were a lot of lawyers. Um, <laughs> the, the third track on the record is Pretty Fly for a Rabbi, an obvious parody of Pretty Fly for a White Guy by Offspring, one of Offspring's more pop tracks. Of, for those of you under 25, Offspring is a band. A, they were a punk band who gained some pop, pop, some popularity in the 90s for more pop-style music. I enjoyed the yeah. original song. I enjoyed and, yeah, Pretty Fly, for, enjoy, a pretty fly like, for a White Guy. The kids aren't all right. This record was their first big pop powerhouse, and they kind of leaned more towards pop punk than yeah. punk. And this was oh, and it was you know what it was their most listenable, and it made me go back and listen to their punk stuff because that's how I got. This into was one of their funniest too. songs and funniest albums, in fact. Yeah, a lot of their early stuff is a bit deeper, and they had stuff that was kind of humorous, but it was humorous with a message like "What in the world happened to you?" and stuff like that. Yeah. So with this, it was very much just sort of like she's you know she's got issues, where it's just flat out a joke on this crazy girl he dated kind right. of thing, you know. So so pretty fly for rabbi is obviously one long running uh, Jewish stereotype. Yiddish, throwing. Yiddish throwing. Used so, mostly correctly, except for one for me, instance, like but. it was clever-ish. When I was a kid, ha ha, funny, making fun yeah. of Jews. You know, I being growing up a Jew, it was funny to me for that reason. But yeah. it's very shallow. It's but it very, very one-dimensional. As an adult, it I was doesn't really impressed with his usage of Yiddish. Yes, uh, it's a lot of times where it's used incorrectly, and for the most, like I said, except for one instance, he was using it pretty much correctly. So I, I, I enjoyed. It's just it for, for me as an adult, it just didn't hold up as well. Well, I was, I said uh, as I was doing a lot of research for this show. He I just saw banged on his my my binder, which is you know about forty pages of stuff. It's a trapper keeper. It's an impressive binder. It's Thank you. It's blue. I miss my trapper it, keeper. Yeah. It's a thing, and they're really expensive to buy secondhand now. It's really? crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, they actually like. It's a culture I didn't even think about. Beyond. Wow. I only have a green notebook, but we're newer, so we'll yeah. catch up to you guys. Don't worry. But there there was a lot of backlash on Weird Al for this style of song where. He will go after the low-hanging fruit. Will go after the easiest stereotypes and jokes, on either race, or or obesity or whatever it is. Because on this album, there's also a song making fun of fat people, which isn't the first time he's done it. 
And first it, time was better though. Well, yeah, but it, it's it's there. Yeah. And is it just something that he goes after the most obvious jokes because it will go to the most broadest audience? Because there's jokes in this uh, Pretty Fly for Rabbi that are at least 60 years old no, by the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, he gets to keep it. Weird Al is always, since he's so uh, um, big on trying to be clean to a degree, I mean, he won't, he doesn't mind being mildly subversive, but for the most part, he wants it to be listenable by the whole family, which I appreciate. Um, but because of that, he'll do stuff that will either sound funny or be an obvious joke and just fit in the rhyme scheme. Or, or yeah, he basically will, will go for... The easy laugh, because he wants you, the mom and dad, to not be offended and the little kid to get it. Right. So we established that, that going after the general stereotypes of Jews, Jews are kind of an easy target. But this is where I get into one little critique about the style in which he chooses to parody, or satire, whatever. It, it's more about, it's not as much about it being low-hanging fruit, as much as it's about his... He chooses such general things. He could have gone after any single one stereotype of, like, you know, the accounting thing or... Uh, the lawyer thing. The, the lawyer movie thing, industry. The doctor yeah. th- all, all these things. Like, it, instead he goes for all of them. It's just a way to cram every single joke in one song. Yeah. Which yeah. is what he tends to do in a lot of stuff. Yeah. It makes it a little bit thin for me as opposed to, like, ah, that was very pointed. At the same Nothing time, here is pointed. At the same time, it's all, it's like how many songs about Judaism is he going to do? He's going to do this one and move on. He hasn't done a, another Jewish song So since. he felt it was obligatory? I, I <laughs> he had almost, to get it out of the way. I so can almost see it. him doing that where it's just like, I don't know if I'm going to do another Jewish song, so boom. But it is... Again, he's not Jewish. The thing he brings up, he just... Doing it for the broadest audience of age and yeah. the same jokes need to play to New Yorkers as they will in Minnesota. Right. And so, I can see this song divide because, I mean, again, as a New Yorker and as a Jew... You know what a schmear is. Yeah, you know what schmear is. You know what, what it means that I'm so verklempt that I could plots. You know that bagels are a Jewish thing, whereas you might not even have heard of a bagel in other places. I, I dated a girl from Indiana who called them bagels. I, so that yeah. wasn't just a, a community thing. Like, people actually do that. If you pronounce it the way it's spelled... Yeah. But she was that? insistent and like, was, no, I swear it's a, bagels. And well, if you say that though, again... For me, though, as a parody song, like, the first parody song was just such a strong parody. Well, it's taking for, two strong... Or a, a strong mashup, at least, whereas this was just not... I mean, also something I forgot to reference is The Saga Begins is the first track. Clever. Definitely on purpose. The you know the last track when we get to it is a long, drawn out, <laughs> conclusive track that is very conclusive. There's a good structure here, but I just feel like Pretty Fly for a Rabbi could have kind of floated anywhere, and it's just kind this is of empty for me. And well, track whether we're going to discuss track placement or not at this particular point, I wasn't as reeled in yeah. as I sh- as I feel I should have been on I a agree. parody album because we have a ballad followed by kind of an arbitrary statement yeah. uh, followed by low-hanging fruit. That's yeah. not the best lineup for me as as an album starter for comedy, but maybe when I was younger, it would have worked. Yeah. Part of it without, with Weird Al is his structure where he does parody, original, parody, original, and kind of that's how he will try to keep his albums for the most part. But yeah. it's also him trying to be so relevant to pop culture at the time of the release of the album, he only has so much material to work at at what time. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, Offspring's popular. Got to do an Offspring song. It's he wasn't going to do a Barbra Streisand song. Right. This is a big. This song is a big deal right now. 
It, it, he couldn't think of it in terms of, well, how, how is this going to play in 2005? He had to think of it as, will the kids buy this album in 1999? And yes, they did. Not necessarily just because of that song, but it couldn't. It didn't hurt. I think the bigger issue to what you're saying about track placement will be the placement of his original songs hmm. and the energy and the tempo they have in the placement around the parody ones. Though I feel like in the beginning of the album is really where the... I mean, really, uh, My Baby's in Love with Eddie Vedder is really the weakest original track. Oh, yeah. A lot of the other original songs... Most of the other original songs on this record are very good, clever, or fun. I'm just yeah. saying at this point. No, yeah, absolutely. But now we get to a nice short track. Uh, Weird Al had a TV show in, in the 90s. 98 to 99. And it was... <coughs> and he wrote a theme song for it. And the theme song is featured on this record. It's a short, fun, adorable track about the story of how he got his show finger quotes story of how he got his show I've, I've talked about this artist before Arlo Guthrie has a very folk oriented uh, talk about stuff instead of actually singing a song because that's Arlo Guthrie he does Alice's Restaurant he does Motorcycle this reminded yeah. me of Motorcycle yeah. yeah which is such a short song it's really just Talking about riding Depends a motorcycle. Depends on which version you hear. Yeah, I know. Because there is some because ver- there's a version that li- goes off. You know Arlo. Oh, yeah. thank God. I know Arlo. I actually it's someone who knows Arlo. Um, <laughs> I know. I know him every Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, that's true. And I always listen to it on the radio. Only song I listen to on the radio nowadays. But this um, was a fun little theme song that yeah, it was very talky storytelling. It's because it offered folk. a little bit more musicality for me. It was True. diverse. It oh, changed yeah. up a lot. Well, a lot. This is one of the. Of weird Al this Al is one of his truly ta- tangential, just weird Al throwing weird, funny phrases out. It's stream of thought, and and, and then changing and, the style and, of music every two seconds. It's a minute and a half, but he's like, it's got like six different versions of six different songs crammed into and this I, I think I appreciated the honesty of that because yeah. you know I maybe people go into it thinking oh well, I'm gonna get parody humor and I haven't I've had like tracks that disguise themselves as parody tracks but they're not really parody tracks as I said it's, it's, it's a ballad it's all this other stuff he's not quite going far enough he's not being on the nose enough and then this track he's, he's just dropping all that pretension he's just no straight up I'm gonna be random and silly and he succeeded even the style of the of the music kind of reflects that it's it's all over the place it ends in this big shebang I don't even know how what to call it it's his big you know and the yeah. Al show it's, it's, everybody, everybody dances it, ver- it very much reflects his style of poker where it's you know it's it's sto- you know it's kind of got this growth this build up there's a little thing in the middle and then it big ending you know yeah, you want to end it with the you know da 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 you know yeah. but I, this I, is not I, even a poker truck really I, I, no it's I, not just no. towards the end where it's yeah. I, I still I, don't find this working outside the frame of a theme song. That's no, no, what no, it no, is. No, no, but this is, is only on the album because it was for his show that either d- he came out then or it was gone by then. It was gone, it by, was then. gone by then. It was, it was gone, gone by then. He liked the theme song. And he wanted to, th- and I, I, I know his fans wrote, "Can we get the theme song on an album?" Because they liked the theme song. It was so a very and it's a weird it song. So but he shoved it on there as fan service. That's basically. the whole thing. As a musical track. Doesn't quite work for me because it is. Do you think is... it should have been a hidden track? Maybe. Hmm, but... That's not a bad idea. That's yeah. actually not. And a the whole, idea. but the whole theme song aspect of it just doesn't quite work because he's going for something completely different with the album itself. It was fan service, but maybe last track not listed on the basket. Yeah, but, the but Albuquerque's too good. Weird Al is not the kind of guy though to do a hidden track like that. Yeah. He, Weird Al, especially if it's fan service, he wants you to know I am servicing my fans. I'll yeah, give yeah. him. I will give him that. But I'm just pointing that aspect yeah. out. But then we get to one of the stronger parodies on the record. So <coughs> Jerry Springer, 
It was a parody of One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies, which was huge in the 90s. And was a commentary of the 90s. Yes. And it's Jerry still Springer. relevant. That's my favorite part of this song. This is kind of my point. I, I brought it up on Twitter when I was telling people we were going to be here why Weird Al is one of the most important artists of the last 30 years. Definitely. Because if you take any of his albums, it becomes a time capsule of the time it is produced. It, it's referencing the pop culture. It's referencing what's going on. But it's doing it with the music of the time. Yeah. Um, I forgot Bare Naked Ladies was a thing. <laughs> How? There's people who have clung to them all these years. No, yeah, I, I know. know them. I, I, still... I saw they were on tour this summer playing I'm down in Atlantic City. Them. Yeah, I don't they're follow them around, but I certainly never forgot them. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're a fun what... band. Did Not you like remember me. the song One Week before? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. They, Apparently, I, I brain damage. I, I, okay. I, you're talking to someone who took the time to I learn the lyrics of their albums to yes, one week just yeah. so I could sing it. I will point See, out. I, 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 got, I, I have can, the wrong I can forgive you because there were many other tracks that he parried on this album where I was like, "Wow, why that one?" But that's but it. It was important then. So. The fe- the very line in the second chorus, they have a history of ripping off their shirts. I remember the line. I have a history of taking off my shirt. Yeah. From the yeah, I mean, it's that's where I love the wit. That's where in, Weird Al's in, strong point is: is making whatever he's parroting fit, fit. in. I mean, again, if where you, you could almost have it on two channels and flip back and forth, right. and yes. it'll be the same yeah. exact experience. I mean, if you, were, if you were to go back to Yoda, which is his parody of Lola, where he's you, where you know where where he lives on a swamp down in Dagobah, where the bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated so- soda, and he spells out soda just like. You know, in the song, it, it, it's one of those things that that's why he's such a brilliant parody guy because he cares about the music and wants you to re- want you. Oh yeah, I know that it's that line just funny, you know, which or, or is different. Or that also speaks to his intelligence. He's yeah. a smart guy, a very really? smart guy. Yeah, doesn't get credit for it. A lot of comedians, because he is the, first and foremost a comedian. Definitely, his genre, his his performance is music. Uh, there's a lot of comedians that are just so intelligent that really don't get any, you know, and don't get this, don't get the acknowledgement of their intelligence. Like John Stewart, an incredibly intelligent guy. Perhaps it's an oxymoron, but I wouldn't. I like as intelligent as he is, and how on the nose he can be at times. I wouldn't call his craft refined. No, I it's will not. agree He's with that. But intelligent, you can be silly. intelligent without being refined. Yeah. Of course. I'm just the opposite. I, mean, I, I don't smart dispute and crass. his intelligence. In fact, actually, I am one smart of the, and crass. A, a really cool thing that Weird yeah. Al did recently is there's an artist that I introduced Steve to that he really liked named Mike Furman. He's uh, he's mm. paired up with Chris Hard and Hardwork for Hard and Firm. He, he released a solo oh, yeah. record last year that I bought. And I actually, he was one of the first text-based interviews I posted on our website. And Mike Furman, really nice guy. He has a song on his album called Street Meat. That he does with Weird Al. Weird Al plays the voice of the street meat vendor. And in many ways, I hear I hear Weird Al's comedy within Mike Furman's work. Yes. And yet, I appreciate it a little bit more because it's all original. It's all written by Mark Mike Furman, and he he hasn't done many song parodies. Yes, it's very different. Yeah. But but back back to Jerry Springer. This this song is definitely one of the more poignant songs on the album, just because it's socially relevant. It's still socially relevant. Mm-hmm. The song is catchy, well parodied, well written. You know, the the lyrics are well done. It's got the comedic timing because one week had comedic timing. Yeah, I, one week was a very silly song. That and it's had very a lot funny to think timing. that he does parodies of uh, songs that are already kind of funny, but he's able to change them up so that they're relevant. In fact, in one ways, I mean, he did um, Gump which was the parody of Lump. Lump is a very weird song, but he actually made it make more sense 
by, by making, by it making it irrelevant about Forrest Gump. So Weird Al right. is very good like that, where he basically justifies the existence of this dumb song called Lump by making it Gump. And, and so in this case, in this, I won't say he, re- I mean, because One Week is a great song, so he basically just goes, and here's a new version of One he, he Week. He took, he's like, here's a good thing, I did yeah. a different good no, thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very parallel, but it's very, it, it was very well done. And I gotta point out my favorite lines in the whole album, once you start watching, there's just no stopping. Your brain shuts down, then your IQ's dropping. I love that. It should have been safe for a Kardashian song. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I love that. No, no, the Kardashian exist. I love that as well because this is where he's really getting into the the harsh social commentary. I enjoy that kind of stuff. Since yeah. when? No, no, no. Since when do you like social commentary? That's like I said I don't like political songs, not social commentary songs. They're I do different. enjoy them. Okay. Yeah, I enjoy different. things that are a little Strike more. Strike that. Reverse general. it. Okay. But keep in mind that is why people listen to to Weird Al because of his strong political views and social commentary. The state like, of the I world. know, you but complain a, about social I, I commentary. have to enter it with taste a little well, bit. Well, right, of course. And but social commentary, your complaint of social commentary is only a little irrelevant to Weird Al, only because he's not social commentary. He but doesn't he, want to watch. He throws it, 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 it and it's when I enjoy it's him not best. Uh, it's when not I find push. him at his most intelligent okay. and his most pointed. It's and not his most refined. It's not why people are coming to the show, but right. it's there. But that's that's always good to throw in a little bit of vegetable. It's not the draw. Yeah. It's As there. you said last week, that's why there's uh, three hosts. In this case, yeah. five hosts, not four. Right. No, of course. Absolutely. Um, moving on to the next song, Germ. I thought we were guests, but apparently we've been hired. You're, hey. you're, you, you've been yeah, doing I this longer you than in us. For time's yeah, you've been doing this We had all those tangents, but I couldn't take the... Because uh, clearly, in all cases, no, when guests. something's been on longer, it's clearly well-refined and better. Not at all. Oh, no. What did you call that voice again, John? That Matt's voice there? Was that... Uh, incredulous. The incredulous, the incredulous voice. voice. Matt's yeah. incredulous. I've always voice. commented like that, but never knew what to call it, and they gave it the a name. Incredulous. Which I, John on gave the, it a name on the spot. I'm, on the spot. Yeah. As I fun. said, intelligent but crass. Yeah. That's not so crass. That was disappointing. No, I am. I'm pointed. You're gonna be pointed. I'm Nate. <laughs> nice to meet you all. Anyway, germs. Germs. Germs is a Nine Inch Nails style parody about germs and being yeah. obsessed it's, with it, germs to a fault. It's Howie like, Mandel's theme song. <laughs> and I like the idea of taking this love, anger, fear that's in Nine Inch Nails and transferring it to hypochondria. I love that. Aside from love, anger, fear, I want to mention this. Uh, Joe, the phones, Joe Masterpiero, one yeah. of our uh, contributors, actually used that particular track to embody well, lust. One of, well, lust. one of the tracks that are parodied stylistically closer is used to embody lust. And he just turned lust into paranoia very easily, and I yeah. actually thought it worked. It this is a case where the tone of the track really did work for what he was getting at. It's not the best track in the album, but it's not the worst. It's very mid-range. It's not like commentary or anything but, like that. It's amazingly it listenable. Music. Yeah, it's it is amazingly listenable, and it's brilliant. Also, you hear the paranoia. Is, there, there are moments of brilliance in the song, though, because he took and I didn't notice it until I listened to it the other day. I always just thought it was a closer style parody. But listening to it again today, and having listened to Nine Inch Nails recently, he actually took the drum and bass beat of of Closer, and then the guitar riffs of Terrible Lie, and put them together, along with some other sound effects and some additional stuff, and made a new song. But it's clearly Nine Inch Nails stylistically. It, you know what, and I know you're probably going to punch me for this, it has that kind of whiny persona that I, I've always gotten out of Nine Inch Nails uh, Oh, really? This is, first of all, Closer and, and Terrible Eye are on the first two records. His first two records were incredibly whiny. 
Okay, so I'm right. Okay, okay, good. It, it took that and it became whiny, whiny. That's the whole thing. It was that aspect of the whine, of the complaint, that was just perfect for a hypochondriac. Now, while I find some of the 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 lyrics to be kind of not quite as clever, a little too on the nose, to be frank about it. But how can you be repetitive. frank, John? <laughs> but we're not doing airplanes. All right, we're not doing an airplanes parody on this anymore. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it was, it, it did capture that repetitive uh, feel that you get from Nine Inch Nails. And hypochondriacs. Yeah. So it was, that, it, you know, that's like I said before, uh, about, you either go all the way or not at all. And in this case, he went all the way. He, he didn't go, he didn't put it. He didn't half-ass it. Exactly. It's more like... I can say that, right? This, this, Probably not. This song okay. is incredibly... I think if you're doing something to the ass, it's a problem, but half-assed is just a statement. All right. No, he didn't even bother ble- uh, beeping me last week, so it's okay. Okay. It's okay. okay. That's true, I did. Um, well, I was, I was quoting lyrics, so it was okay, I'll right? stay away from the, the harsher terms. Um, moving on from germs, we get Polka Power. I, since his second record... <sighs> what? I hated this song. So, okay. Do you okay. understand the purpose? I'm not a big focus. fan either, so I'll... I'll okay, well, first of all... See, I quite like it, but I have my own reasons. Polka Power is something... And, and, and um, Gary brought this up before while we were listening. Since his second album, he's done a, an amalgamation of popular tracks that he couldn't either get a hook or a parody for that he puts in this polka-styled <laughs> medley. And he's been doing it for a while. Some of them, the name denotes what it is. Like, he's yeah. done the un- Angry White Guy one, which had Eminem and, and, and Papa yeah. Roach and Limp Bizkit. The Hot Rocks one, which is all Beatles. Rolling Stones. Beatles. And then a lot no, of them Rolling are just Stones. like Polka on 45, Polka Your Eyes Out, and Polka so Rama, Polka Face, Polka, pay, uh, and, uh, polka Party, that and, kind of stuff. And so well, this was clever. <laughs> and so this is Polka Power, which was literally just a grab of the more popular 90s songs and threw them into a Polka song. And just, yeah. I, 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 and, and that's what I don't like about it. But well, that's okay. But you, that's I'm going down the list. Taste. That's I'm not. Gonna, honestly, he was think. his his mm, actual polka work was boring. I've heard, and I don't even listen to polka, but I've heard a much better polka accordion work at beer gardens. I've heard better. Two, because of the snippet nature of the lyrics, it felt extremely incomplete as a song. And three, and this is this is the real thing. I either love the songs or I hate the songs, and it, it, in their original form, I, I I don't think any of them worked in the polka setting. It, the thing being with Weird Al, this I know you guys aren't wrestling fans, but there's a term in wrestling called popping the crowd. Basically, it's a, a moment or a phrase or something that everybody can jump on. I call it wrestling Tourette's. They recognize <laughs> it. They'll, it's the big show. They'll say it. They'll announce it. Uh, like when S- the Rock would do his interviews, he'd always end it. If you smell what the Rock is cooking, which everyone would say along with him, right? And and that's what this is kind of meant to be. If you listen to the album, or especially at a live performance, that dates back even further to boxing. What with the intro of "Let's get ready to rumble," mm. it is the aspect that 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 hooks well, the crowd. Who came and so that. that's where this song. But that's shines. what I'm saying. It's meant just to be that. It's like, hey, I recognize that song, and it's also uh, like you brought up where it becomes these snippets and and kind of more bringing back to the time capsule thing. These are all the big songs of 1999. Let's say you could go back, and it will remind you uh, that. 
sex and candy ever existed by Marcy Playground. I might have been the first person to mention Marcy Playground in the last two years. Anywhere. Yeah. That's well, what about Harvey Danger, who was even more of a one wonder than uh, Marcy the, Playground? Speaking of which, both those songs are on the same playlist on my phone. Yeah. Right. Well, because they were both... I mean, this wasn't just 1999. These songs were the big songs of the the 90s. 90s. Yeah. Let me just sum this up really simply, though. It's a comedy album, and there's no joke in this song. It's that's a polka. my issue. It's a polka. That's, that's what's the joke. Funny. These that's songs are the joke. joke to it's, me. Well, it's no very legit from, genre. It's no different from Richard Cheese taking taking Down with the Sickness and making it into a lounge song. That's the it's joke. It's the same yeah. idea. Yeah. The joke is changing but, the style. And Richard Cheese isn't exactly, you know, quality but, comedy right there. That's but it's not a, a matter of that. He's more of a joke in himself. But right. But it's also that it's the experience of the album or the live event. Here's here's the other part. He took the whole song. And reinvented it. Yeah. And that's where that complete feeling comes in. Because in this case, you're working yeah. with a but song, a full song, but you're taking How much just of tub thumping do you need? I, I, if I can throw this out, part of the reason I like this song a lot is because it, it was something special in my life. During the time I was performing in the Rocky Horror Picture Show in uh, the New York cast, which if you know Rocky Horror, they perform in front of the movie and stuff like yes. that. And before the show, they'll often do things to get the, the crowd pumped. One of the things that happened is I ha- I asked them to play that song. They did, and I just started goofing around in front of the thing, in front of the audience, and it became a thing where I would basically kind of mimic the song as the artist in the polka style. And as that, it worked. It popped the crowd really well because then it's boom onto the next one, onto the next one, onto the next one, and doing something goofy, parodying the the particular artist, and it was a very big deal. So, granted, it might not work to you as an actual thing, but if you look at it from a performance point of view... And yeah, I can definitely see that, and I definitely accept that. From a performance point of view, maybe that's my key issue right there, is the fact that it's an album and not a live show. Right. Exactly, well, that's where... That's... So then you have to consider it in many cases, especially uh, with Weird Al, and with many artists, a lot of times you have to think of, well, this is not so much an album track as it is a bit of a soundtrack from something else they did. It's almost like an intermission at this point. Kind of. And that's kind why of. he throws I it usually yeah. in the middle and of the album. And I could pass it off as an intermission. No, I nobody's could, sitting there analyzing that, it. Taking it from that frame of I reference, do. I can definitely see it as an intermission, as a way to break up the album and sort of like reinvent where and the album And you also have to consider, at this point in Weird Al's career, it's his 10th album, he's been performing live for a long time. His live shows are stage shows. They're not just concerts. I can tell he you... He does nine costume changes in one show. So having a song like this on a record to prepare... to to perpetuate his future shows where he would do a song like this makes perfect sense. And, and even besides the polka on the live show, having gone three times to see him, Damn. he will do just a, a three-song medley of, you know, a, a track, mm-hmm. not the track, uh, a segment in the chorus of, of popular less songs. popular songs. Right. Like, not or things that he likes to do. Like, every once in a while he'll throw in an old song like Dear To Be Stupid, but sometimes he knows, well, people like these three, so he'll sing, like, the first verse of I, I, I'm trying to think of one that, that or eat it just to throw and eat it, but he doesn't want to do the entirety of eat it because eh, it's kind of a little overplayed at this point. Well. So so he'll do the the beginning of eat it and then he'll move that into uh, a, a different one and on and on. And so with the polka again, it, it's kind of what he'll do, t- kind of early in the show. Just to get everybody like really the on the same page. I'll buy that, but I almost want to go back on myself. I feel like I do analyze intermissions to some extent. Just by re- they should have some kind of breakup feel for the album. Once yeah, this has a breakup feel. Back, but back it in- should also offer something unique, something different. And I'm not getting. A f- it's almost like a backtrack to me. It's like he had just delivered parody or satire, 
and now he's just delivering me the existing lyrics. It, it, it's, it's a negative end as opposed to a positive breakup end. That's, that's the, the point at which I judge it on. Interesting. Okay. Not things I would necessarily think of, but it's a valid point. I could also just say at this point... Uh, you come from a musician's standpoint for a comedy album, there's going to yeah. be discrepancies here. Yeah. But, you know, we'll get into other uh, the, comedy the... music. Maybe I'll have you on there and have you I mean, point it's, out things. Well, it's why we're having a discussion about it. If we all just sat there going, yes, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, I all agree. It really isn't very interesting. This I will fun. admit I laugh more listening to your podcast than you two are fighting. Hey, we're good at it. So, like, yeah. 95% of it. <laughs> yes. Like, right. the entire thing. John, we used to fight a lot. Why don't we fight anymore? <laughs> I guess the, the music because, No, because you find my points so to be valid nowadays. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. What? Wow. Don't even argue that. because you know We better never true. hit that third. And you know what? I'm really concerned about really doing late. what we're doing next week. We'll get into that later because it might just be us all agreeing, and that scares me. Uh, for no. Da- for daft. Yeah. We're no. done. But anyway. We liked it. But I'll say at this point... The Poco I'm track, not, not the eighth ver- iteration of it, is tradition that fans expect at this point. Yeah, it's not so much... It doesn't need to be something clever or unique, it just needs to be there. It's fan yeah. service. It's something, it's, and it's, it's something not, he enjoys. And I enjoy it. It's, not, I like it's not a reason, it's just an explanation. There are a lot of All times... Right. Where I, I've pulled that on you before, so I have to accept it. Um, uh, moving forward, though, we get to one of the stronger comedy tracks on the record. So, uh, track eight is Your Horoscope for Today oh, yeah. is a third-wave ska track that, I mean, it's just very funny. The timing is very good. I didn't know that members of Real Big Fish yeah, played I, on it, which I think makes it even more brilliant as far awesome, as a ska man. parody. But it's essentially him. It's Weird Al running through very exaggerated horoscopes and then in the middle of the song, brilliantly describes what a horoscope is, and then telling you you're an idiot for believing them, and then continuing to tell you tells what you're an idiot, idiot for not, not believing, them. Uh, not believing them, and no sarcasm at all, because no Jew has ever pulled off sarcasm. He's not Jewish. Huh? Yankovic is not Jewish. Not he's Jewish. actually not. He's Jewish. not Jewish. Jewish. He's that's just a Polish. It's name. a Polish yeah. name, but not all they're, Polish they're, people are Jewish. Okay. In fact, there's a lot of Polish Lutherans. That's yeah. pretty common. His, his family is not Jewish okay. at nope. all. First of all, I gotta point out something you said, because we, Matt, specifically. This isn't a parody of Ska. This is third wave Okay, it's a, it's a tribute to Ska, it's a parody of horoscopes. Fine. Not quite a parody of horoscopes. That's but a, it is. It's an indictment Tra- of There's travel That's in even your more future. appropriate. An indictment of horoscopes. Okay, fine. I like uh, that. that, that okay, fair. Yeah. I mean, Either way, the base of it is it is a comedy track, though, and it's very well-timed and very well-written. It's another one of those comedy... Yeah, par- parody is too light yeah, no when you're really ripping on something. This right. is a commentary. All right, so this I is like satire. it. Once again, stays relevant. This stands up in 2013. Maybe not the greatest of tracks, but for the message, a social message... I love it. And here's my million dollar question. I would love, I'm not a, obviously I'm not big on astrology or anything similar to it, but I would like to know if any of, any of the lines that he throws in here under each sign is actually relating to the supposed qualities of that sign. I don't know, but it's the I one where he wants people to kill their friends. I yeah. think so. I can yeah. tell yeah. you, I, I picked up on that vibe. I have a friend, which is the one where it's, uh, uh, spend the week face down in the mud. Uh, was it Sagittarius? As everyone consults their as notes. As everybody consults the lyrics that we yeah. all have. Uh, okay, specifically, really? I gotta, gotta find the fact we have notes. Virgo. <laughs> all Virgos are extremely friendly and intelligent. Except, except for you. you. Yeah. That is... Virgos are extroverted, intelligent, friendly people. From what I remember from a girl I Cancer, used to know. Cancer, the position of Jupiter... Of 
says you should spend the rest of the right. week face down the mat. I had a friend who was who was cancer and who actually said that at the time uh, of the year where you're she's my friend had <laughs> cancer in my life. <laughs> where she basically was telling me why that was scary relevant to her, which is really weird considering it was meant to be a joke, because she had a friend named Mud who she liked, so you're supposed to spend the week face and then, you know, don't shove a roll of duct tape. Her wallet was made of duct tape. And, you know, she was afraid of... She had to take her driver's test. She was afraid that she was going to, like, slam her head. So, and We're I'm now... At that, and I'm you looking have at her like you're ability. working really hard on this. <laughs> I think it just further proves that... What people who believe that crap... Will find a, find way, a way to relate to, to it, it. it. Yeah. yeah. It's it, the um, John Edwards of crap. Is there anybody is that, actually sitting and listening to... Is there a difference? Weird Al? Do you really mean that? You really mean that? What the whole... Uh, like, everybody rips on astrology unless you actually believe in the stuff. Everybody true. will have something religion to say. And yet people who don't even care will still kind of in, to make conversation. So what's your sign? Oh, really? Well, well, it was used a, to be a great pickup line. It used what to be in the bars 70s. do you go to? No, I'm just saying, like, I have heard people, and not even, again, not even as a pickup thing, just go, are you a Capricorn? Are you Scorpio? No, but those are people who believe in it. Fine. But I'm just saying, it, it, to them, but it's small talk. It's, a, it's an asinine time killer. It's a pastime for people. Like, That's what it is. I want to see someone, like, go the distance. Take astrology. Take the psychic medium. That whole thing that people, I'm not going to say if it's positive or negative. It's negative. <laughs> believe in. And just, like, I want to hear a psychic one day get it right. Like, pick up the phone and go, Hi, Tom. No, don't date that girl. And get it right. Just that once. I want that once. Well, then shouldn't it be her calling you? <laughs> like, who is this? Don't date her. Who? Uh, but I just met her. No, no, don't. Don't. Oh, but I liked her. You don't really like her. She will drive you nuts. Did you right. really have to hold the phone up to your face? I really did. I needed the visual. See, he See, didn't he need to hold... Use I am a method. See, no, but the funny thing is he didn't need to hold the phone up to his face. However, I you also didn't need to bring it up. You've listened to our podcast. <laughs> right, it's true. He has to bring it up. That's and one would think you'd listen to ours. Because <laughs> I do it too. Hold so. That's I, why I pointed it out. I, I can't help Me and Matt are going to have a spinoff on our own. Yeah, where we point out things off, <laughs> off, the, off the air. or yeah, You realize just, you're an idiot. And spend countless minutes doing it. Or it will become problem. the perfect circle where we just implode. Yeah, yeah I, I, this is already Ooh, very... Name. We've had quite a few implosions, yeah. I think. Commentary on emoticons. What about... I like... That should be the name of the podcast. Commentary on emoticons? Okay. Where they're just commenting on the emoticons they're acting out. Okay. Yeah, yeah you've pulled okay. that up for two hours. All right. okay. I could. I, we, you could. I'm sure John All right. could. All right. All right, moving on to the next track. It's our another all parody about the Pentiums. Hey, all about the Pentiums this is, is my favorite. All, word out it's rap. it's a, all about the Benjamins uh, spoof, uh, originally done by Puff Daddy, um, who was big in the '90s and relevant in the '90s. He wasn't wah, relevant, wah. but he was big. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go out and say he's this, he's, he's the most clever lyricist in this track on the album. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've said before wordplay. I've said before that he shows his 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 stones his muscle more on the hip hop tracks than anything else because he can sing fast. He's good at rhyming and he's good at writing hip hop style lyrics. I pointed out, yeah, his lyrics are really really solid, especially because this is before. Freaking turned into just being on Facebook, where people... This is back in the time when people were hackers and freakers. Before there was an internet culture, when right. it was kind of still... When the internet side. culture was the government and people who were yeah. legally doing things to the At government. Universities. This is when yeah. it was a And the people on AOL. Don't forget and the people this on song, AOL. Before subculture. A lot of Weird Al's songs... So, I mean, I haven't talked a lot about emotional emotion on the songs, because besides a few songs on the record, there's not a lot of... 
clear emotion. It's mixed messages because he's... It's There's a lot of joke in this. I mean, The Saga Begins clearly has adventure and joy, and it's a storytelling track. But, you know, All About the Pendiums is the first track that we get to after a while where this is the embodiment of cockiness, yeah. just like the original track was. That's all it is, is this embodiment of cockiness, yeah. but in a different I ever well, meet you, I'll control, Nine, I'll delete. That's this 95% is, of hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And that's exactly but what he's emulating. But this is Steve, Steve Jobs. Yeah. That's exactly, without being Apple, I don't know. Okay. Before he, Jobs became a cult religion. He's down with Bill Gates. He calls him money for short. Yes. But, yes, like, <laughs> referencing to spam and trolls, which weren't even part of the human language at this part. It was, spam kind of was Spam was it. a was little bit. It was part of IRC know what as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, trolling, trolling yeah. was not a thing. You know, thing, it gives really you the impression right. that Weird Al is cutting edge. But the, the, the thing. talking about your laptop is a month old when nobody even really had laptops, when they were just yeah. starting to be integrated... But talking about hence the joke, you know, it, it, it's great if you need a nice heavy paperweight. Yeah, and yeah, like this is before, like we really discussed that whole technology outpacing yeah. society's ability to keep up with technology, and it's kind of weird because this is probably more relevant today. Yeah. Than back then. In many ways, there's only a couple lines that would even date it a little bit. Like I got 100 gigabytes of RAM, where most people have a Commodore 64, mm. 286, 286. Yeah, you wax in your modem. Most people don't no, even think about it in terms of or modems. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Well, she is still there is nothing wrong with Sarah Michelle. <laughs> we are weeding people. We do not insult Buffy. Never. I'm waiting for her to come back into relevance somehow because I'd like to she see her again. There was the Rangers. is not yeah. outdated. Like not well, not outdated in terms of its use as a joke for the sake of being uh, out of date. <laughs> yeah, and I was always say. more. I always like Angel better than Buffy. Okay. I the always series. Briefly, briefly, oh, I, thought, I did. I did briefly like Briefly speaking about but... Whedon, there was an event I forgot to mention. I did see much to do about nothing over the weekend, and it was very, very good. Yeah, I still. Oh, okay. See. I heard he's not doing Avengers two. <laughs> Are you kidding? He, I, I think think so. I heard they booked him a minute in. in. Yeah, oh, he's in. I don't know. I saw <laughs> the minute the open. I saw something yesterday on uh, IGN. We're really? gonna research this then. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. I, 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 I couldn't see no him. way possibly they would not have him. You know, the second the returns that's came back, the for reason that. why Avengers yeah. was good. Yeah. Anyway, I was sleeping during that the, segue. With all yeah. about the Pentiums, I listen to a lot of uh, nerdcore hip hop, and as do I. I brought it up on the podcast many a time. MC Chris, Shade for the Dark Lord, MC Frontlot, all of them reference Weird Al as an influence. You know, tone and style and whatever, but. Because he has strong roots yeah. in writing good hip hop parody, and that's you know what a lot of these nerdcore no, rappers I'm not, I'm not, were birthed from. This track, yeah, this yeah. track is, uh, is pretty solid. Well, I wasn't threatening or accusing. I was just, just <laughs> giving a statement of fact. The only issue that made eye contact with me when he said that. That's the catalyst. The only issue I have I with this personal. song, the only issue is the original track. While the lyrics are fitting for this song, and really the way he raps this couldn't really work with any other song I can think of off the top of my head. I just really thought the whole original track, all about the Benji- Benjamins, Benjamins, was just so bad. Of course. Bad. So bad music. And the guitar was. P. Diddy. It's, it's P. Diddy, hard yeah. to make it the man, that much better. He was better. puffy at the time. He was just Sean Puffy. A lot of salt in his diet. He was, you know, he was man had puffy. a problem. Yeah. Wait, was that a fat joke? No, no so was, him being puffy. Yeah. Salt. Oh, okay. <laughs> like retaining water. Yeah, it didn't have enough eyes. I just thought you were taking digs at Nate again. I wasn't no, sure. No, I... Was, he doesn't always take digs at me, thankfully. Occasionally, 95% of the time. That's when I'm crying in the corner. But but for the most part, he doesn't always, you know. But yeah, it. this was a solid parody track, but yes, the source material was kind of terrible, but Which, that's not yeah, But that wasn't fault. the point. The point was he was basically, it was relevant at the time. 
So he had to basically build on it, and he actually made it, to better. most people, better than the original. Yeah. I can listen to this. I can't and, listen to Benjamin's. And fun as hell at his concert. Yeah, oh, yeah. Everybody oh, yeah. screams along during the chorus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's not even foreshadowing here. Uh, and posted Me Too, like some brain-dead AOLer. This is when AOL was actually really popular. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because that's when it was the standard. Yeah, yeah. And he predicted it was going to be passe. So, almost, like, I, I think we're coming to a point where we really think Weird Al has psychic abilities between Mud yeah. and his uh, computer. Conceivably a time machine. We don't know. Time window, The trend of food tattoos as we're Maybe he'll be the next Between the saga begins, apparently. Yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. Maybe. For all we know, he sent himself the track. From 2013. That's true. You know, just like, it's not even a good movie, but here. Yeah. People uh, like it then. Um, <laughs> so next track 10 is the truck driving song. And this one I had made a comparison to a lot of more modern, nerdy, rooted music. Like, this song starts out sounding like just a standard CB trucking song. Yeah. Quickly goes into the punchline of him driving with his high heels on. And then from there goes into the joke. Very reminiscent of a lot of Jonathan Colton songs, where they start out seeming very sincere, right. and then bam, punchline. And, and Stephen Lynch, yeah. who takes it to the log- the worst extreme. Yeah, I mean, like, the song First of May by Jonathan Colton starts out sounding like a nice springtime song, and then talks about having sex in, outdoors in spring. Right, and, and Stephen Lynch with his, uh, talking about, um, why, singing a lullaby to his daughter, finding out why his wife left him, because... You know, Daddy likes $10 whores. You know, that kind of thing. Or Lonely Islands yeah. and things like Space Olympics or Chronicles of Narnia and a couple of the songs they've done where right. they start off on one thing and completely divert from their idea onto something completely different. Right. I, 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 while I, maintaining the same coherence to the storyline. I quite enjoy this particular song. I just, I, I think it's a catchy CB song and I like, I, I just, it's a funny, uh, I don't want to say juxtaposition again, but there it is. It's kind of a Monty Python bit. I love yeah, yeah. It, it, it has that kind of air of the It's very much lumberjack. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, but it's, I would it's agree. the you know the the seventy CB version of it, which is fine. Yeah. Oh oh uh 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 Rex Marksley, Steam Power oh, Giraffe. All right, I'll buy yeah, that a little it's bit. It's similar. All right. Have you guys heard Steam Power Giraffe? I don't know that. No. Okay, we have to burn at least one CD for the two of you. All right. Two. You gotta listen to this guy. These guys. Fair enough. I Steampunk. Will... Okay. No no. If you re- recommend something, especially if it's funny, I will be there. I will listen to it. It's half funny, half awesome. Okay. I, 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 want, I want to retract like a little bit, though. Rex Marsley didn't really have the curveball at the same extent. It was more of a he starts off, joke. No, no. He starts off as this gunslinger, goes into how he made a name for himself, and then starts fighting the Rattlesnake King. Yeah, but it's a straight story and adventure. There's no comedy in that. Okay, fine. Yeah. You're wrong. Sorry, Thanks though. for raining on my parade. Is I'm it a fun song, though? Oh, I love it. It is. It's, it's, it's a fun storytelling. Song, it grows yeah. on you. I like storytelling songs. Well, it's one of those things. Yeah. I am. I take in my music only from like pop culture. I had really awful musical influences growing up. Abba. No, I grew up I in the love Bronx. Abba. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't. Hey, uh, I like this. Did you see Mamma Mia? Uh, just once, but well, I saw the movie too. So. It's why I came up. Partly with our catchphrase, the bastard children of pop culture and mama media, at the beginning, because I wanted to see if I could bait him into going... I did it at least twice. Within, like, a week. Yeah. So he he falls in line. I know him too well. Yeah. But... I haven't done it since. Because I called you on it. But the... Like, the music played in my neighborhood was... I would hear Hot 97 through the wall at four in the morning. My sister liked her Bon Jovi, which has its place, 
But you know, in as someone a, else's house. I feel and like this is even furthering me into hipster territory, as Matt and John love to say, because I did not really get these experiences. I felt like I was. I tried to avoid these things from an early age as much well, as possible. I'm a middle child I think I'm going to be joining girls. you. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, but I didn't have influences, and I grew up in a time before the internet. Fair so enough. So you could only be handed music yeah. or what's on the radio. Yeah. I'm not sure how. I, I think I just didn't listen to music. You have to realize well. how incredibly square my parents are, and yes, I actually made a finger square. Um, I'll, I will also do the L7. Let's my discuss it. Yeah. Because <laughs> my parents were square to the point where my mom enjoys the Beatles up until about uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper when they start getting too weird for her. The drugs. <laughs> yeah. And that's right. the thing. Sergeant Pepper is like one of the albums it, I grew up on. Right. That was and the that's the pin- And that's yeah. the pinnacle where people were, they start really getting artistic and, and yeah. different. But my mom really wants the pop Liverpool stuff. She right. doesn't really want anything past please please me and love me do. So that's, that's you know, my my parents are kind of lame and I, I'm someone... And so by definition, Nate is kind of lame. No, I'm <laughs> awesome in my lameness. I went to go see Barry Manilow, Barry Manilow on, on Broadway because I think he is so awesome in how incredibly dumb his songs are, but it's just pure joy. In his dumbness. You've just discounted all our credibility. Oh, come on! (laughs) Barry Manilow is important to somebody. (laughs) Named Nathaniel, yes. Yes. I have a Copacabana shirt, damn it. But the point I was bringing up is, I take all new influences because I really don't know how to obtain new music except soundtracks to movies, um, stuff I've heard on wrestling shows, (laughs) and, and like, people handing it to me. It takes a lot for... It's still a weird culture, and I tend to defer to the weird stuff now because those are the people I'm around. No offense, guys. Because you finally discovered postmodernism. The funny thing with me is I tend tend to like things that are soundtracks, uh, uh, you know, be it from a musical or or from a a movie I like or whatever, or in, in... The funny thing is a lot of my pop culture, especially with music, came from listening to Weird Al and then going to find the original. I did a lot of things backwards because I love Weird Al and I like the humor. Like, I didn't know the song Lola when I heard Yoda, but I love that song. So then I had to go and listen to the song Lola, and lo and behold, it is really not a song for an eight-year-old to listen to. The Simpsons are largely responsible for my going out and seeking other things. Right. Like, whenever yeah. they would pull a reference, I'd be young, I didn't know what it meant, exactly. and then I went out. And so a lot of my discovered. knowledge came from me wanting to get jokes. Exactly. So I I, Weird Al shaped ways. my musical likes because I would listen, you know, I, I only know maybe a smattering of... of now you make Rolling. me feel bad for beating on it. No. But <laughs> well, I, I can tell you my first two albums was Weird Al's first cassette and the wrestling album oh, featuring yeah. Karami Amai by Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Grab them cakes. And yeah. didn't that, isn't that the one that had Goldust's name on it as no, well? No, no, no. I'm talking the oh, 80s. Oh, the, oh, the 80s, 80s one. With okay. the Land of a Thousand Dances. Oh. When with Roddy Piper insulting rock music. When Real American wasn't Hulk Hogan's theme song, it Rowdy was... Yes. Whose Something theme song else. was it? It was the uh, American Express, uh, Mike Rotundo, and Dance By. That's it. I'm right, a, and then be I'm a nerd it. of many things. Yeah. So, um, track 11. Yes. I, I'm sorry I tangented, but the point being, I'll accept any suggestions. Did, we, right, did okay. we have a, a, a conclusion with Giant Truck and Dragon? Uh, it was... It's I there. enjoy it. It's clever, silly, and unoffensive. Right. No, it's more... It's uh, it, it borders on being more offensive than general stuff. And it points one, two, three. Musically, it's what not What was offensive. it, John? It was, it, was, it was really, really sure. 
It was a good song. It's a cute song. It was it a had, cute little song. I mean, as a Weird Al fan, I'm not saying it's strong. No, it, it's no. not it's, one that he leads. On the album, it's not the album. It's not well, the song the he leads. Is it on the album? The music, not really. It's just kind material's of material's not TV offensive, song. huh? Material's not offensive. It's, it it <laughs> depends on the parent. <laughs> Where do you get offensive? There are some no, parents who would listen to this and not think of it necessarily as a joke, but think of it as well, he's trying to tell my kid you should be wearing crotchless panties. And that's why you use that accent. <laughs> that's fair. There you go. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> Track 11 is Grapefruit Diet, which is a parody of Zoot Suit Riot by um, Cherry, Pop Cherry Pop and Daddies. Uh, weak. This, oh, song this one's is really weak. This is the weakest one. It's not... It's, most the lyrics aren't clever. They're fat jokes. It's and they're not as good as fat. Low-hanging fruit again. It's, yeah. it's in the same vein as Pretty Fly for a White Guy. It's just and kind of empty. The main problem is he did it in fat way back in the 80s, and it was a much better song. It was much better... Parody in a much better song. song. This yeah. is more like the answer to fat. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Just because well, this one's it's about trying, trying to lose weight. weight. Yeah. yeah, it's the whole craze of all the various schemes and diets. But that it's were still around. an attempt to do the same fat jokes. But it the is. fat jokes were much more clever in fat. It is because he tries to start out with the diet thing, but then he keeps going back to you know well, you're, right. you're gonna I, want to get those that nachos. And right, and I need to you know I need a boomerang to put on my belt, which was never even a good joke in the first place. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. know. Yeah, this song is just kind of very empty and weak. And As opposed just... to, my shadow weighs a 42 pounds, which is a really good line. <laughs> yeah. you know? But there's, there's actually thing... a way to measure the weight of shadows. Thank what? you, Peter Pan. Now, it's true, light does have weight, and yeah. lack of light. Yeah. So you can talk about the negative mass of light when it comes to shadows. So shadows actually make you lighter. Wait, what? Wow. How it it's it's wow, this is like real science. We'll talk about Weird Al's dumb song. I spent and a lot of time... Good... I spend way too much time on the internet. That's fine. I yeah, like me, that. Me no, too. I like. I, I really do like that. Because then in my head, I just think of, well, then is that why Peter Pan could fly? Because he didn't have his shadow. <laughs> his shadow got detached. Well, no, the shadow would actually negate some of the weight. <laughs> oh, that's right, my true. But it was, no, it was also the flip side. The play. shadow would negate some of the weight on the earth where he was So it would free him. Yeah. If he had a shadow, so with the shadow, he would. Wouldn't the shadow tether him to the ground? No, no, no. It's on the ground itself. It has nothing to do with the individual. It wouldn't affect him in any way. Oh, okay. Because it's not affecting him. It's the shadow affects whatever it's on. Okay, interesting. So he could hold other people down with a shadow. And it's also the whole thing, like, well, if a feather didn't wasn't beholden to air friction, the feather would still fall the same weight as a brick. So his weight is still irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Science. It's more mass and everything. We just got itself. science. So yeah, uh, swing music was a thing. And swing music was big in the 90s. Yeah, it, made, it made a very short lived comeback in the 90s. And it was like this album probably came out like three and weeks I, I'm just after. not aware of Cherry Pop and Daddy's thing. I like Cherry well, Pop. I knew Cherry Pop and Daddy's You're not a beautiful baby, man. Just That's go watch that. You were 12. Yeah. yeah. Baby yeah. boom. Maybe you guys never. aren't baby boomers. Yeah, but no, how are you supposed to generate No, but I've been musically, very musically aware, especially of pop culture since grade school. And this happened in the yeah, 90s, and it was Cherry Pop and Daddy's, Brian Seltzer Orchestra were the two Setzer. big ones. Seltzer. Seltzer Orchestra. Um, were very big. He made a big a comeback. Seltzer. Brian Seltzer had, had been yeah. around earlier. It must have been back. very brief, though. It was, a very few years. Yeah. It, it was 95 to about 98. One, Nobody yeah. had a long-standing career. Brian Seltzer mostly because he was around before. Yeah, he also yeah. did the, the Stray Cat. So, yeah. He, yeah. He's the only one who would still be around now. Problem. But for different reasons. And the Cherry Pop and Day, I mean, the Cherry Pop and Days eventually had to evolve into a bunch of other things that nobody cared about at all. Who did yeah. In the Afterlife? Oh, uh, that was uh, Squirrel Nut Zipper. Okay. Yeah. 
Squirrel Nut Zippers, which were... They, that, they were that, yeah, sort yeah. of in that vein, but then they evolved past it as well mm-hmm. and started doing other stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, moving on from that bland track to the conclusionary track of the album, Albert Cookie. Albuquerque, not Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Somebody's Albuquerque. <laughs> Albuquerque, as it was referenced in the Broadway musical Titanic. Okay. Wow, you should by, be, by, sh- by just be referencing that. I haven't even seen that I one. saw it when I was ten. Oh. Man card. Ten. Ten years. Wasn't a man care. yet. Doesn't count. There point. were no hairs. He's <laughs> logic. Wait, did you get a man card? I never got one. Explains a lot. It does. It does. It does. You even, you know, I there was even... a day where you became a man. Oh, I did have that. I did oh. have the bar mitzvah. Did um, he give you the card that day? No, I got a fountain pen. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, so Albuquerque is... I have... All I wrote for notes is story exclamation points. It's a... Okay. It's not a story. It's a no. tangent. It's, it's a, a tangent it's a stream of consciousness. No, no, no. Here's what it, it is. It can't even be stream of consciousness because he brings it back brilliantly. Arlo no, because he just remembered it. No, no, no. <laughs> Arlo, his writing Gu- process. Arlo Guthrie is doing some PCP, all right? Oh, and all of a sudden, in that PCP, he gets visited by the spirit of James Joyce. And that's Albert Kirky. Okay. That's... And Hunter S. Thompson made a cameo and maybe Alan Ginsberg. No, there's not enough drugs in the actual story for a hunter to really be there. Well, you're not listening to the drugs themselves. You're just listening to the... To the... Does he mention anything products. truly illegal or illicit in this? Well, song besides at all? cutting off guys' no. legs and chewing on the face. Well, there's hermaphrodite. It's illegal to be hermaphrodite. In my it's world, a, it is. It's illegal <laughs> to kill someone. It is illegal to kill. It so is, there was that. In my world, it's probably illegal to sell. Your world a is the scariest place, Gary. How I get by? It's just saying. Um, Which but, explains a lot of the lines but the, in this song. This, as far as conclusion, wrap-up tracks go, the song wraps itself up after 11 minutes pretty well after driving you crazy. And and it's a great exclamation point on the record. It's a roundabout exclamation point, but it's a good one. As I far as closing tracks go. If you want to see Weird Al being absurd, an 11-minute song to explain why he doesn't like sauerkraut that's kind of only... 40 seconds of the discussion yeah. proves the absurdity of Weird Al. Yeah. And just him changing uh, changing tempo and, cha- and and going into these weird choruses and the wacka wacka doo doo yeah that just... As it, That's ooh. why I'm going to go back to the theme song. It's the same thing I said there. First of all, diverse. And second of all, it's honest. It's just yeah. him being silly and I appreciate that. And, uh, and it shows off truly the skills of his band. Well, yeah. I mean, the whole album does, but this is one of those things where, again, it's such a weird thing, and you can you see them on, you know, just playing and listening to him and kind of going with him as he's as he's talking. You know, when when you do see them live and you realize in a two hour span, they're playing twenty tracks, be it either in a medley form or something else. So many different styles, and just on the fly. And everything sounds like the original, sounds incredible. They probably are an underrated band because most people will just discount them for being Weird Al's backup. Can you name them? I know there's Bermuda Schwartz. Bermuda Schwartz, Jay West's guitar, um, and... I could check my notes. <laughs> and uh, a, I think, is it Stephen Jay? No, Jay West, and then uh, Stephen... Oh, man, now I'm blanking on his, ba- his base. Well, the band leads me back to the thing that I said before about Weird Al. Weird Al is an artist, and his band definitely yeah. supports this theory, is he's versatile. As Jimmy. an artist, maybe not the and best artist ever, but one Stephen of the most J. versatile artists. 
because he does he so much. He still manages much. to speak in his same. Vo- well, we all speak in our same voice, but he has a very standard <laughs> I delivery. Don't. A- Sometimes <laughs> I speak in this voice for no reason. <laughs> I mean, he's just not very animated. I guess is the words I'm looking for. Did you just say he wasn't animated? <laughs> wasn't the yeah. man's like a muppet? Seriously, have you ever seen him move? In he's bendy. His vocals. In his I vocals. see it. Oh, his okay. vocals aren't. Animated. His range isn't very wide. It depends. I mean, well, I can he does you. a very deep voice. For he found him. a niche and he has it. That's why I can't. I can't chalk it up to like pure talent and versatility. I chalk it up to he's got the voice for this kind of thing. Well, it's like saying but that, that Tom Jones yeah. never sang falsetto. Yeah. (laughs) How dare the man with the deep, rousing baritone not sing a falsetto? Yeah, when you're talking about comedy, it's a little bit weaker, but I I get your point. (laughs) And I can say, as a fan of Weird Al, it it takes a lot for his original tracks to become something to remember. Yeah. For the most part, I'm not going to flip on something that's one of his originals. For recreational listening, I'll, I'll defer to the parodies. And the parodies kind of just find a way to stand out from the rest of the pack. Well, they also have if a we're going to talk about his musical us. prowess, I'll go back to myself and say that he's got very good linguistic abilities. He has a good turn of phrase. He's he's just he's good on the tongue. I will say with the weird Al... Don't say that about a lot of men. People will give you a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. This is 2013. You could even marry. Um, <laughs> but Wait, now you're in some states. That's <laughs> true. But it, no, what I was, what I was saying, it, um, what was I saying? I don't oh know. no, with Weird Al, we I, I will know. tend to only listen to him as in in full album form. Yeah. And in some, I mean, this being me and my weird OCD thing, as I will occasionally, I will start at his first album and go through all the way. Wow. You know, it, I will say that, and I, I am, I'm that way about a lot of artists, and I, I would actually take exception to Weird Al for this uh, for this reason. I just track placement, as we started to say before, isn't yeah. as relevant here. Perhaps not. Also, no. Weird Al is very much um, the artist that you knew when you were twelve. Nah. Whichever was the art, whichever album you knew him from when you were around, you know, I'd say eight through thirteen, is the is the is the genre of him that you're going to prefer. You know, so you might not want to listen to his really early stuff. The or comedy his, coming of age. He, he, Weird Al's yeah. even said that you know, there's a lot of people who critique his stuff because. His new album isn't as good as the album they loved when they were twelve. Is basically yeah, you go from Raffi to Weird Al, and then it's no, 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 no I'm saying it's his album. And it's like, well, Sorry. this is not nearly as good as even worse. You were twelve at even worse when even worse came out. There's nothing better to you than that album for whatever reason. You know, it's that kind of mentality. But it's also well, that's gonna be that doesn't have to just be Weird Al. No, no. That's everybody. Well, yeah. there's the cliche that I've always heard, like your favorite band's gonna be the album you were listening to when you made out with your first girlfriend. It's just the time where you were at your so happiest. Time, place, and... Yeah. We talked yeah. about this, actually. We have, but, we have but, but it's not always true, because I can recognize when certain artists who've been putting out albums for years put out an album that's so fantastic, it blows your mind. Well, that, and it does happen. I'm not saying blows your mind, but I'm saying, like, the favorite. The one you oh, always yeah, go right. back to. Right. Favorite isn't always best. That's true. I, yeah. I lost my virginity to Lola. I will always love that song. It says a lot. Says a lot, says a lot about Lola. Yeah, no, it's it's quite Lola. L-O-L-A Lola. How old are you? He aged well. Dude, I grew up on 104.3. 
Which is the classic rock you couldn't stadium. You couldn't have. 104.3 wasn't a thing when we were Yeah, it was. Was it? Yeah, How they've been around for like forever. I know PLJ. Yeah, sadly. And I was a kid when I lost my... Are you think so little of me, seriously? Yeah. And Q... What was that, like 12? Probably. A good well, props. In the 90s. K-Rock was. <laughs> I think exactly. I'm deserved yeah. props yeah. for that. Two conversations right now. Yeah, <laughs> okay. anyway. We, we were having an aside. But yeah. That yeah, that he lost time. his virginity two months ago. He's very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the kinks, no less. That's amazing. <laughs> They're available. <laughs> Apparently. Um, <laughs> they are fitting for their name. All right. <laughs> I'll just put that. <laughs> in, in, Fingers in, go everywhere. In, 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 I've heard about Radio. Rain us in yet again. We'll start. But you want to keep us clean, do you, Matt? What? Never mind. <laughs> not gonna, not gonna, not gonna have. So when you consider podcast, the angle, I'm looking at the microphone. Anyway, <laughs> um, so in, in starting to conclude, I mean, the thing about Weird Al, and this actually is kind of telling to how we kind of wrap up albums too. We we tend to wrap on a overall, the overall arc of an album, its theme, the emotional connection, the lyrics, and the music. The problem with doing that with Weird Al, and I don't know that he's the exception to the rule, but the problem with Weird Al is. A lot of his records have this very, the parodies stand out, some of the originals stand out, and some of the originals fall behind. I can't think of any album I've personally liked by his where I've liked every song. No, I don't think I, it's possible. I don't, I don't think it's possible because of, since he's so for the masses and all over the place. That's the like, the way in. Like, one of my favorite storytelling songs that he's done, but it's one of the most horrific songs I've ever heard and it's actually creepy and quite disturbing is The Night Santa Went Crazy. The Night Santa Went Crazy off Bad Hair Day is literally just a storytelling song about The Night Santa Went Crazy. He has two versions of that. Doesn't feel appreciated. Yeah. Oh really? I didn't know. The album version is the clean version. When he sings it live Santa is killed. But and that's my point is that like that song I like but it disturbs the crap out of me. Oh see to me there were two that are even more disturbing where there's Melanie, which is just him stalking a girl, okay. and then ultimately killing himself, um, and then uh, the good old days where he talks about basically how it was great living in his old town, where he would torture uh, rats with a hacksaw, and he uh, left a girl out in the middle of a desert. Just these really again so fun, lighthearted play, very music. very much the Stephen Lynch sweet so. sounding song. Whatever emotion you can move someone into, bad or good, at, yeah. if you yeah. push them harsh in that direction, I still think that's success. Yeah, for an artist, any artist. So for this record, as far as Weird Al records go, like listening to it again, I I didn't love it as much as I remember loving it as a kid, and it's a shame. There are some songs that just don't hold up to me, like Pretty Fly for Rabbi. I loved growing up, mm. and now it just it just seems kind. Of, it's that low hanging fruit. I really now see that we've it talked now. about it like that. I do feel kind of bad for liking it. You should don't be shamed. There's no slut shaming you, in music. Yeah, no, you guess. like what you like, but you just take it and you like it and you walk with pride. I right, that was dirty. That was dirty. <laughs> I, I did not funny. say a foul. I did not say funny, a but with with pride. I, I think when you, like you said, emotional arc of an album, or whatever. I don't know what the way he does parody if that's possible because right, it's going exactly. to be so disjointed. He's sharing other people's messages through his prism. It's just hard to frame. It's kind this. of like a show that's episodic. You know, it's, you can't really criticize it in the grand scheme of things. It's difficult to frame as far as quality goes. Also, like like we were saying before, it's all about the Pentiums. It's a terrible song, the original one, but he did something great with something terrible. So. We reward him for that, but the music at the heart of it is still terrible. And I would argue that yeah. and the, the, the saga begins is probably the greatest thing to come out of episode one. 
Right. Probably the one it's thing that's... better than the movie. It is. True. Because in fact, it's, it's all over, the movie needed to be. It's, it's over in five yeah. minutes. And he never screams yippee once. Yeah. There's no yippees. And or that Gundam. offended me more than it's Pot not Roses. his fault that the movie kind of sucked. No. Well, yeah. But the Jar Jar's in it for an instant. One, he mentions his part. name. Yeah. 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 Well, the so. thing is, and it's the thing about Weird Al, it's all pop culture. Yeah. Episode one, at the time, was pop culture. They were playing the mov- the music video with the clips for like four months before it came out. Everybody wanted more from that. We I still think everything. that staying power is very, very important with any artists, including comedy, whether you're commenting on pop, pop culture or not. Uh, and when it comes to A Saga Begins, I'm not sure that has the same staying power for me oh, because no. of the way I think that ends up we being come stronger. to see the film. But, but, True. but in closing with this record, I think... like. Just rating this record is difficult because it's not it's not an average record for sure not to me because he does so many interesting things with it but just the same music quality some of the songs are average or below average like I mean like my baby's in love with Eddie Vedder is a is an a below average song well, it's just is, forgettable we never not really great. got a chance to discuss this before because we've never done a comedy album yeah. before but we have to come up with a fairly new set of rules right now is success as comedy yeah musical success as comedy how yeah. well does the music help how well does his lyrics help yeah. and are you really laughing that's the thing so and are you going to just go by a Roman score thumbs up thumbs down is it oh out of five this is the, no uh, it's still, still, still out of five thumbs out of five our our no, not thumbs out of... Oh, okay. There, there, Nate. It'll be okay. <laughs> I'm confused. Yes, uh, I can tell. The mental equation is just a little <laughs> He's bit He's not allowed to work the registers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mental equation is a little different, because we're used to so, so much focusing on this big picture, and we kind of have to decide, dissect this in a different way. But for me, as far as Weird Al's plethora of records go, this is the 10th record. It's one of my favorites. I mean, I really love Bad Hair Day also, um, and that was the one that came out I think when I was 12. So, like, it's that, that theory. That or the Food Album, but the Food Album was kind of a compilation. Yeah, and that didn't count. But that, so that doesn't really count. But So for me, Bad Hair Day might be that record that's, that's my favorite, but I don't know if that means it's better. So, I mean, I mean, there are definitely, you know, four to five star songs just with the comedy. I mean, your horoscope for today, as far as comedy goes... That's a four to five star song. I mean, it's got the timing, it's got the flow, it's got the music, it supports it, it's got, you know, it, it's fun, you get engaged. Um, whereas, uh, and Jerry Springer also is a four to five star song comedy wise because it's, it, you know, it, it's not only socially aware and predicted something that Weird Al might not have even known, but it's also based off of a song that's very good. And it improves it, or at least is a sidestep and is as good as it. <coughs> I think, this is the thing, whenever I listen, and I, I've been aware of Weird Al for quite a long time, and even when I was younger, I've never listened to a Weird Al track and just started laughing hysterically. It's more been like a ha 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 ha. You know, like it's at the occasional way. line. I would say when I was little, there were certain things that brought me to hysterics. Fair enough. It's just a different style. That's yeah. So as far as my style of comedy is concerned, there's just a couple things lacking here. I mentioned one is comedic timing. It's lacking on a lot of these tracks. Yeah. Yes, there's some tracks that have it more than others, marginally. But it's not the extent of the kind of comedic timing that I would like. There right. is I a lot of parody. It, it, He's doing songs that don't necessarily construe a, a timing. And that's thing. just part of what he settled yeah. in. I mean, that's the thing. It, it, if that's the medium with which he chooses to 
do his art, his performance, you got to take the good with the bad. And in that mm. case, that's a bad that's going to drag it a little bit back for me. But there's still tracks that punch through, uh, and there's still tracks that show a pretty good level of virtuosity. And I definitely think that, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the Pentiums, I think that's definitely one of them. Um, I mean, you sound like you've got your rating. He, he's smart, but he didn't make all of his smart choices. That's what it really boils down to. Some of his choices just did not... Some of them were lazy. It seemed yeah. like there was just some lazy... The low-hanging fruit. It goes back yeah. to that. I'm yeah. willing to bet that some of them, for example, I'm willing to bet My Baby's in Love with Eddie Vedder is something he probably wrote in like Years 95. and years ago. Yeah, like in 95 and it was just it sitting in. there. Yeah. And he yeah. kind of was like, eh, have this song done. I needed, you know, another style parody. I'll throw that in. Color track, yeah. 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 I can easily see that, and that's why, it, and that's why it comes out in '99, but it's already five years old. You know, and that's why like I have to go also back to staying power here for, um, for at least the style in which he performs. Maybe I'm too used to modern parodies. Maybe that's it. Maybe looking back to 1999 and where they were with parody, which was just very straight up. I, I feel like I'm more inclined to to go with Lonely Island stuff at this point. I mean, but also a band like Lonely Island probably wouldn't exist without a person like Weird Al. That's the thing. Yeah. And we have uh, mentioned this before. But like, you know, oh, well, Young Veins is a nice throwback to the time that started. We would, where would yeah. we be without that type of rock and roll? Um, where would we be without... Let's we had to... several instances where we yeah. had to look back. Uh, actually, just recently with uh, Kiedis and Sears' album, a lot of that stuff, the exotica, we owe certain evolutions of music within the... 50s and 60s to Exotica. Right. So, What's it, tribute. You gotta, you gotta have the tribute. It, it makes me wonder, uh, basically, where if we were to take out one of Spike the Spike Jones old uh, uh, novelty albums, yeah, you know, or or, or, or even Alan Sherman and stuff like, and listen to it, would that then hold up? Because I, I mean, I can tell you from what I know about the the early artists that that Weird Al basically came from. A lot of their stuff, if you don't know what they're referencing, mm. seems weird. In fact, Alan Sherman, because he was writing in the very early 60s as an old man, he was, you know, a man in his 40s, he has a song based on Pop Goes the Weasel that is, the name of the track is Pop Hates the Beatles. <laughs> and it's basically talking about him. And they're talk he's talking about the old, collarless, you know, Please Please Me Beatles, because that's the only ones that existed. And he's singing about how much he hates them. But a lot of the jokes, you know, are meant to show how terrible they are. You know, Ringo is the one with the drums, the others all play with them. Shows you what a boy can become without a sense of rhythm. And that's how he sings the song. Wow. Right, and, he, and it's kind of harsh. He, he talks about, you know, throwing them in, in Boston Harbor, but first let's take him to a barber. Because they had that ever so slightly longer hair yeah. that he, as an old man, hated. And it's interesting, because it's a completely different point of view from the way, rea uh, not reality, but uh, uh, pop culture has now seen the Beatles. And also, it it's kind of unfair, I mean, I feel like it's kind of unfair to judge this album against now standards, because it didn't come out now. It came out in the in oh, yeah, 1999. Oh, yeah, I was leaning toward it, and so, against the standards then. So, I mean, for the standards then, and for what he accomplished, I mean... For for me, really, only truly disliking two songs, three maybe because Pretty Fly has shifted on me. But even still, I mean, for really, really not liking two songs, um, Grapefruit Diet and My Baby's 
in love with Eddie Vedder. The rest of the album is strong or very good. You know, it is. A, this is clearly an essential Weird Al album. It's one of his better albums, and and it's it's Weird Al. This is Weird Al. It jumps all over the place, but more or less, this is the big picture. This is Weird Al. I also think he is his own standard because you can't compare him to the Lonely Island stuff because it's done from a different style of voice. Even when he's audience. Been, yeah, even when he's been parodied on Simpsons. It's basically, oh, take this, put a fart sound and a xylophone or something, and that's that. He has what he does. I don't know if you could have somebody else come into the market now, try to do exactly what he does, and be a success. He has his brand. That's why he had his movie UHF with Gandhi 2. Watched it this morning just to get myself in a weird I, I love frame. UHF. But it's like, people can try to be weird, but he is weird out. Well, this is kind of counterintuitive, but I think in his case, I'll just say it straight up front, I enjoy his random humor more than I do his arbitrary topic set to music of an existing song. I, in fact, find the stream of consciousness in that case to be more intelligent than the latter. Um, Mm. And then social commentary stuff goes without saying. I mean, you're not even going to dispute that kind of stuff. So, eh... I guess I'll just start. Okay. Based on this album here and its mix of the bag, we have really only two of his uh, Stream of Consciousness tracks, I suppose. Um, Maybe three social commentaries. Yep. And the rest are kind of arbitrary. Uh... I'm going to give this a, for the time, even for the time, because actually there was one thing I was going to mention with Albuquerque here, I actually thought that that was a beautiful throwback to Firesign Theater, if anyone's aware of them, that's like a 1950s uh, radio show comedy troupe, the type of humor and the, the, the spit firing, very, very similar, I, I, that's been around, so I can still judge it against what had been out prior to 1999, mm-hmm. based on that stuff having already been a thing, for many, many years, and Weird Al just comes along in 1999 and delivers similar stuff. Not sure if he's offering more of it, but I like the throwback. I'm going to say it's just shy of a four. I'm going to say three, seven, five. Okay, that's a, that's a, a fair and solid rating. I, I think that what it comes down to, bumping it up a little higher for me, is, is it, it's mostly taste. I mean, going into Weird Al, it's one of those things where, like when we talked about him a few weeks ago, a him fan is going to view a him album way better than any of us, because if you get, if you're getting more of exactly what you want, you're going to love it. Because it's exactly that there being three hosts instead of one, that's just bad luck that there's not one of the him quality persons amongst us. I guess. I mean, well, I love Weird Al. I have. I always have. And I, I think of his records, this is a solid one. And for me, that I think the fact that I'm a Weird Al fan and my personal tastes are in line with this, it bumps it up a little higher than your rating. And I would give it an even four. Because it's not by end, end all, the end-all, be-all of comedy music or of Weird Al even. No. But as far as Weird Al's albums go, it's definitely better than Al. Average, it's solid. There are only two tracks that I really didn't like at all. And even Grapefruit Diet, I can listen to. Yeah. Um, whereas babe, my, I skip... Uh, my baby's in love with Eddie Vedder. Every time I listen to this record, I just there's nothing for me there. It's forgettable, empty, and 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 forgettable. 
So forgettable, empty, and, and forgettable. Yes, he forgot Wait, was it that forgettable? it was forgettable. Wait, what That's did I forget? That's how bad it was. Um, so I at would, least it's not forgettable. So, so <laughs> what I, are we talking about? So I would give it a four, uh, an even four for me. I am more on the line of Steve, and I would even bump it down to a little bit lower, three five. Mm. Uh, the 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 comedic timing is a little bit off on. Uh, the weaker tracks, and that was the main. The main focus of this album is the comedic aspect. It's not even just off; it's non-existent in some places. Yeah, he's so beholden to the melody that it actually curtailed some of the, the timing that could be had there, the potential, and but he's strict. And, but you mean I? I love social commentary, and while I hate James Joyce. I have to say, Albuquerque is an amazing Somebody song. needs to get, like, a restraining order against you. Is he still alive? Really, no, no, I don't think All right. so. Then no. he's safe-ish. I love to read. But Joyce James, on the other hand, she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, there's so many different genres, so it loses that coherent aspect because it's a comedy album. It's supposed to draw from everything. Nowadays, comedians who make music tend to specialize in hip-hop or rap, which is different, or rock and roll, or punk. I mean, they... they focus because there's so much difference and honestly he's known for his accordion it's not very good accordion there's better accordion wow. yeah it's statement. not very good accordion <laughs> in this album <laughs> you're making it's, it sound like it is, sounds really pretentious i know to say it but, but it's, it, it, it may it's sound a, though like that he's doing this particularly to show off his his accordion skills the way uh les claypool uh does to show off his bass skills. It's not the same thing. It's more like this. When I hit an accordion interlude in a comedy track like that, that's all based around polka music, I, it better be a good one. It better be funny. Okay. It better you, add something. You can state the music itself can be stated comedically. Like okay. something that's just so extreme in one direction. Seemingly out of place. It, it didn't seem out of place, though. It was just very standard. It's just... Just so. But it has okay. redeeming qualities, and... The the person himself, Weird Al, has done so much for society. I mean, I hate to rate it so low, but it's really only three five. Okay. Tell me. Uh, honestly, I come from a place uh, <laughs> similar to Matt at a time. At a time, I am I'm significantly older. Um, Weird Al, I love him. I'm a huge fan. I'm very forgiving to him. Um, I will not. I. I, I this is one of my my more loved albums. It is not my favorite. I'm, I think my favorite is Polka Party, um, which is funny because that was like his least selling. But whatever. Uh, I, I'm going to give it a four just because of, of how, how important it was for me, certainly at the time, and just because I enjoy it and I can still listen to it. And yeah, I, I can't even listen to My Baby's In Love With Eddie Better, even though it is kind of one of those songs I'll... I'll I'll, I'll blank out on, I, I can listen to it because it's just, you know, the only Zedeco song I know. <laughs> so. Fair enough. What's <laughs> right. um, your rating? Did you give uh, a number? A four. four. I gave it a four. Okay. My feelings are hurt by you guys. No, I, don't. <laughs> I honestly don't care. We break uh, hearts all the time, don't we? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not convinced that you have feelings because of how much you pick on Nate, so, you know. It's oh deflected. He, oh. he defended me. That's so nice. I know it won't happen again. To be used to it. <laughs> All right, I it should be say, said at this point that you are wearing a weird Al shirt. I oh. am. I. To be fair, I have a t-shirt collection, probably of two thousand t-shirts, and have <sighs> wow, adequate t-shirts for every event. T-shirts. Wow. 
whatever we discuss. His, I'll, I'll his filing system is probably a little bit better than mine. Mine is kind of an eep. But um, I did defer to Nate to pick this album. I am convinced it's because his name is said in the song Albuquerque. That is actually not why I picked the album, but it does bump that song really high in my in my my. He has uh, a view. Hey, I'm one of his sons. I'm very happy about that. I think, like I am always drawn to his parodies. Um, Saga begins. I liked uh, just. Because I remember anticipating the movie and just even a taste of this at the time was something special. Um, all about the Pentiums, it, it, it's fun, it has energy, not a classic. It's, if I'm going to put something in front of someone like, you need to listen to this Weird Al, it probably wouldn't be anything, one specific thing on this album. I enjoy it though. I I, rem- I have the nostalgia factor of listening to this when I was 24, apparently, and way too old to be listening to this. Nostalgia. Uh, yeah. Nostalgia is a powerful thing. It as, is. As we've proven. Yeah. And, and Weird Al was that thing I said. It's one of the first two albums I bought was his. So, And this was before I'd ever even gone to one of his concerts and any of that. And I, I'll say it 3.9. Um, the Just Shy. It's it's not perfect. It's not almost perfect. The stuff I like, I like. Don't love. The stuff I don't like, kind of glaring. Hmm. But um, there's probably worse of his out there. Yes, that 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 could definitely be agreed on. Ooh. Although I do like the Jurassic Park song. I do. It was yeah. good. His movie. His movie. His his songs describing movies tend to be very good because they're very storytelling. Especially when he takes it from a particularly old song. So in that one, it's MacArthur Park, which is already an old song by yeah. the time. And so, like I said before, MacArthur several times, Park. the the O2 superhero where he does about Spider Man is also very you know he. Although I, I still rank that one as weaker than than the Saga Begins. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think the Saga Begins was the perfect marriage of epic song and epic movie for right. the time. For the time, fair enough. Um, Again, because he needs the pop culture event. I didn't yeah. think that we'd have... I mean, we were also tangenty-tastic, but this album review went pretty long, too. Yeah. You could uh, edit us out. Like We spent a yeah, lot we, of time Yeah, if we edit them out, we'd get a whole half hour back. It's okay. It's like, We just completely cut them out. We'll do hey, our Steve. podcast on Wednesday. <laughs> Steve, you know what you should do? You should do a lot more editing, because we love it when you edit. You do such great jobs editing. Uh, so, hey, Steve, I have this Keep in mind, though, that, that we did have to critique an 11-minute song. So, we so, spent... Two minutes critiquing an 11 minutes song. We did. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about average intelligence. So for our listeners, who may not be the same as your listeners, all five of them, tell them what the Average Intelligence podcast is, besides your tagline. Give us a little synopsis. Um, We are pop culture obsessed. I think the thing that might separate us from the rest of the pack is anytime there is a tentpole movie... Uh, especially during the summer, we do full-on spoiler topic discussions. Yeah, we will. We will not leave any plot point out, and we will not nitpick it to death. It, it's when you get nerds together to discuss a movie. You're not going to be arbitrarily kind of dancing around topics. You're going to tell people what's wrong with Dem- Benedict Cumberbatch in Star Trek: No Colon Into Darkness. And I like that in the title of that episode, it was Star Trek No Colon Into Darkness. Yeah. I enjoy that. Because that joke's been made everywhere. Like, I listened to a podcast called Doug Loves Movies. Yeah. And he did the same thing. Like, he, he, he 
But it, people are obsessing on it because yeah. there is no, no colon. colon. Yeah. It's like it's but, a title of a movie. Yeah, but it's a complete different font. It's making and it into sizing. a sentence. Yeah, it, it is made. Star Trek Into Darkness. Star, it, it, it's the same thing. It's a good day to die hard. It's like... Well, that, except that movie was got awful terrible. From my... Yeah. And I haven't the, seen but, it, but from but what But the title told. alone was just sort of... Like, well, how else are we going to work die hard into it? Why can't we just be die hard five? Because that's not funny! <laughs> Neither is it a well, good Well, it started with a vengeance. Yeah. What, yeah. What's your past... And Live Free Die Hard was actually a pretty solid That one movie. actually was good. That was the a solid The one with Sam Jackson was good. Best. I like the yeah. Vengeance. The best. That was, that was the best. best. No. The best. No. Of all first. Uh, of all five. all five. First, first is nothing for this Jew commemorates Christmas like watching Die Hard. Mm. I know a lot of people who have that. <laughs> and eating Chinese food, I'm sure. And eating Chinese food, of course. The thing is, as a power nerd... It takes a lot to knock the first installment of anything off for me. Because yeah. that always sets yeah. the scene. Um, everybody will say Empire's better than Star Wars, but what made me love the characters was Star Wars. episode yeah, four. I, I always think episode four is the best Star Wars movie because it was just what it was. It, was fact, it didn't come out to be a trilogy. It came out to be a good movie. I would go as far as to say as the best overarching storylines are the kind where you can say that the second is better in terms of its meaning to you because it advanced it in that Shakespearean Act 2 way yeah. when everything really hits I the fan. I can think of a number two that's universally accepted as better than the first. You're Besides good. Empire Strikes oh. Back. Iron Man 2. God. <laughs> Terminator. Terminator 2. Yes. I yes. knew it. I knew it. Yeah, Terminator 2. Star Trek 2. Not that I don't not love well, Terminator 1. Terminator 1 is great. So, so, it was so 80s and so perfect. Yeah, Star Trek 1 exactly was just so testing the waters for No, Star I know. Trek. It was just dabbling it. It was just so hard to be and then the... They got such a bigger budget on the second one. Yeah. Right. Because they, they proved to be a success. They yeah. wrote a much better story for the second one. I mean, it's but hard it to still be... is a two that is... I mean, both, a lot of people will not watch Star Trek, the motion picture, but will watch Rathacon in a loop. Yeah. So, I, I t well, I, I like Star Trek motion picture for a different reason. It is closer to uh, an actual combat. episode. Oh, okay. That's my reason. <laughs> right. It would fair. be best for... A TV movie introduction to the original series for a neophyte. If you're going to introduce yeah. them, you do that. Go straight into Shatner's Kirk in what seventy two episodes of the original run. That's the thing Ra Wrath of yeah. Khan really was pretty Hollywoodified Star Trek for the time, even though we see yeah. it as very Star so Trek for now. Right? Yeah. I mean, this, Wrath of Khan was more action oriented than most, but it was very talky because there is no actual conflict. Between Kirk and Khan, they never even see each other face to face, and that, that which kind of makes of, it very tense. It makes it opinion. a very beautiful kind of movie in that yeah. way because it becomes that you know they never even do truly face off except ship to ship. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like to me of the of the Nolan Batman movies. There is only Dark Knight. I don't really like Batman Begins. I really don't like Dark. See, Knight I like Rises. all three of them, but Dark Knight is still the strongest. No, the it's, trilogy. it's the strongest. I agree. Mostly on I the agree back of the Joker. With that, yeah. Well, of course, mostly on the back of the Joker. Yeah, but I mean, the, well, no. And see, to me, it's Two Face. Oh yeah. Well, oh, see, I, to me, Dark Knight is Two Face's story, and I really well, like it is that. Two Face. He's it the is entire arc, story. But yeah. It, it's, it's just a shame that. The problem with Dark Knight, as far as Two Face's story goes, is Aaron Eckhart was a phenomenal Two Face. I the him. problem is Heath Ledger died. Among the fact yeah. that he died, and he it was a shame to lose an actor because he was really coming into his own as doing adult roles, and that movie was one of the biggest mm. ones besides Brokeback Mountain, right. which was a very adult yes. role. Right. But 
the problem was he died and completely overshadowed Two Face. If he hadn't died, it might not have been as overshadowing as it was. It was still there a fantastic still was part. a decent amount of hype there before the movie. Before he died, there was a lot yeah. of hype yeah. that. Well, Heath Ledger is going to play the Joker. Well, well, That's Heath very Ledger, out of his. Wait, let me just finish one th- thing on Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger changed my entire perception of judging actors in movies. I will never prejudge someone cast for a role ever again because I was one of the first people online to go Heath Ledger, that guy from 10 Things I Hate About You, he's going to screw up my favorite character. And then I was completely blown away. John was in the theater with me that night. My jaw was on the floor the you entire night. You broke my flip-flop that night. I did, actually. He uh, still holds it No, the, the, the actor who actually completely made me reevaluate the ability of actors to act is... Uh, DiCaprio, when he did Catch Me If You Can. Yes. And Ooh, that's he went from like one. Titanic to something like that. Titanic, Romeo and Juliet, like really almost B level movies with way too big of a budget. Like not very good stories. Just like Big Sappy. And, and then he does. Like, I can't call Titanic B level, but, he but does it's, it's definitely Catch a juvenile role. Yeah. yeah. And he's just become like, he's one of my favorite actors because he keeps doing amazing roles. Did you see Gatsby? Not no, yet. I Don't. It. Don't? I've heard it was. I've not, been worrying. It's been yeah. mixed it's reviews. It's kind left of and painful. Right. It, it, it. That's shameful. The, the every main character decided to have a different dialect, even though they're all apparently from the same area, and he was so affected, it was completely distracting. And with the um, the whole point of the story is choosing a life of style over substance. When you should try to have the substance you can have. And they just, the way that uh, the director does his stuff since uh, Moulin Rouge, it's all style. And it, it's so frustrating. And Jay-Z, uh, his the score, music... The score didn't work, did it? When there are a bunch of, you know, 1920s white people in a car and they're playing Big Pimpin' or something... I was one of the first people to notice that in the trailer itself. And I wanted to say that that wasn't going to occur during the film. I wanted to say, like, no, that's just to reel in audiences and bring in money for people. I, they have to, if you're going to have a movie set in the 1920s, please use pop tracks yeah. from the time. This is Baz Luhrmann's <laughs> big problem. Now I really don't want to see it's it. It's one thing he's always, it was one of my, my main points of contention with Moulin Rouge, which is, if you're going to write it, have a musical, write songs for it. Yeah. Don't take Roxanne and then make it... I, I mean, I take it back a little bit because some of the things he did in it were fairly clever. But some of them were just sort of like, and here's a song you like, and she's going to sing it, and it's going to be in a, in a turn, you know, turn of the thing. 18... Aesthetic ambiance is very important to me for a film because that's what film it is. It just seems to be the way he likes to do things. It, and it started with him getting famous from the his mm-hmm. version of Romeo and Juliet, but I where instead of swords, he, you know, instead of actual swords, they're pulling out guns called a rapier and stuff like that. Clever, at the same time, doesn't work with everything. Certainly not something like where you're already heading into the modern world, like the 1920s, that when you juxt- when you put in big pimping, you're kind of screwing it up. So basically, this is average intelligence, where yeah. we can just... Nitpick to death. Tangentially jump between 15 different topics, yeah. and still all kind of make sense and have points. Yeah, and it will really still be kind of on our main theme. see it and kind of just rip it apart now. You want to do that instead of Superman? Next week, John? No, no Superman this is not a good Superman must be You gotta see Superman. You I'm can't going be to see a Superman. pop culture fan well, of any kind and avoid well, a superhero movie. No. Well, why don't we uh, we get to? Um, why don't you do a little promotion? Tell people where you can find the podcast. Uh, What's your website? Yeah. 
AverageIntelligencePod.com. And your Twitter handles are? I am at Gary underscore O. I am at Jedi N8. So uh, definitely check them out. Um, if you follow Crash Chords Pod, you can find them there. Or if you follow Matt underscore Storm, you can find them there as well. Ooh, another underscore. Yes. Um, there will be I, crossovers. I, I, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, we might as well get to our, before we talk about next week, let's get to our uh, email, our fan email of the week that the robots send us because we don't get real fan email. Yeah. I just read a book about the robot apocalypse. Uh, I don't care. Robo apocalypse. All right, so what's our email this week, Steve? The distant future. No, it was like World War Z. It was amazing. Steve? Uh, okay, I was singing it. Want to make up to $2,543 a day with zero traffic? That's almost a million per year. He did it, and now he show you how exactly you can do same. Stop. You need to see this. MakeMillionDollars.net. It's brand new and just about the most ghetto money-making method I've ever seen. $2,543 a day without any traffic. No PPC, no PPV, no CPA, and no so-called push-button software scans. No loopholes. Something totally different. A real system that's been pulling in over $2,000 a day and $14,980 a week and $3 signs. Million per year. Best of all, he's got real proof. MakeMillionDollars.net. You'll even see real examples, not just his million-a-year click-back account. Honestly, this has blown me away. It requires no traffic, no investment, and absolutely no experience. And after trying out what the system is, I can confidently say it works, too. Don't miss out on this gold mine. MakeMillionDollars.net. Talk soon. Brian. Now, technically speaking, if it Wait, really did Wait, the poster work... was actually named Wait, Brian? Who did Brian? Who he? Because Brian's talking about a he. Uh, no, he. it's actually by Make Million, but Brian is within the post itself. Uh, Inception. So style. Brian is speaking through Make Million. I so it's Brian Make Million. Brian Make Brian McMillian. I personally nice think if they really wanted to prove how effective it is, you should have gotten a million dollars just by reading that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Because there's That's... no investment needed, no traffic. Certainly, reading that should count. That's true. So, I, how much part... are they paying you for the commercial? Because you did a hell of a commercial. That was very good. Oh, thank you. There was inflection. There was. Unfortunately, yes. the robot overlords don't give us diddly. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunately, Unfortunately not. Um, don't worry. We will have friendly robots. You don't really want the robot overlords to give you diddly. It's not pleasant. <laughs> That's no, remember the robot. If there's a lot of oil. <laughs> the robot overlords are going to have to subjugate other robots to do their dirty work, and those robots are going to rise up with us. It's not hopeless. You want to rise with a robot? Sweet. Now, see, where are we going here? Okay. Sounds like a dance. We're going into Sounds like our... a rad dance to me. Now we're it's picturing one of those, the, the scenes from the Animatrix where... No, <laughs> they put the robot right. on trial yeah. for the murdering... Uh, I love... The Animatrix... Animatrix was a great... It one of the, the best. so much. Yeah. And then the sequels... They didn't do sequels. Up. There was the Animatrix and the, the Matrix. What other I, sequels? I kept waiting for them to make a sequel, and they just sort of like C- didn't make C- one. Nate has so. selected. I saw these it's just like there were only two not. live action Ninja Turtles movies, and then that animated one that wasn't bad. Go Ninja, Go Ninja. Go. I thought that was. A was Animatrix made before? It sequels? was after yeah. the first one. It was made one. right yeah. after the first. It was one. meant to be the bridge. Right. Uh, yeah. The first one, the Flight of the Osiris, actually was on the movie Dreamcatcher in the theater. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Getting people excited, and it was the people who did the Final Fantasy movie, yeah. Square Enix. Right, where it was the photorealistic. And stuff. it looked incredible. Yeah. The, the Final Fantasy movie that had nothing to do with Final Fantasy whatsoever. I still Final Fantasy has nothing to do with Final Fantasy. There weren't even Chocobos, Chocobos though. Fantasy. It has Chocobos and Moogles and potions and 
giant weapons. Okay, so they I don't keep even know running out of ideas of what to put in their games. They okay. did do Advent Children, like when the Sony and the yeah, PSP yeah. open. Yeah. If Which, you need that story, I have, have that, that story, and that one wasn't great either. But anyway. But it. it but yes, the Animatrix did have high hopes and had good music too. It had a very yeah. good soundtrack as well. And there was the trial of of the robot. Yeah. Um, and you really see that we really did screw over the robots. Oh yeah, we did. But we kind of deserved. Speaking of robots, next week's album is going to be Daft Punk's now critically acclaimed Random Access Memory. And since they're robots, you know, I figured good segue. So we're going to be doing that next week. That one's an all pick because we don't shut up about Daft Punk. So we figure we all pick it and we will review that next they week. They were Tron. The, the fathers. They of, were. Tron was an incredible Actually, soundtrack. The funny yeah, thing. Well, funny thing about, yeah. The funny thing about Tron is so Legacy, Steve hadn't Tron, seen Tron. Legacy. Tron hadn't seen Tron. Uh, Steve hadn't Tron seen Tron. Tron hadn't seen Tron in the Tron Tron. <laughs> Tron Tron Tron. Shut up, mate. It's like in Star Steve. Wars where he wrote a Tron Tron. Steve. Uh, Tron? Steve was... hadn't seen Tron Legacy. That was pretty good. Steve hadn't seen Tron Legacy and we kept talking about the Daft Punk soundtrack so we sat down and watched the movie together and then listened to the soundtrack and, and Steve loved it. And I was quite a fan. So I gotta check into it. I think this is only like their actual fourth studio album. Yeah, they haven't had They've a done lot. Tell so me much research into this because she will talk. I to you wish about I've been trying. I want to get her on the podcast, but I just haven't been able to know. You're never she's, gonna get her. Up she's to a, she, she's like a con- <laughs> oh, no. Can- you can't. I've been trying to get her to go to. Fangirl Studios and we can, but well, we can also travel to her. She's, yeah. she's been at an anime convention every weekend for like the last three months, practically. That's true. She's a busy girl. So, but um, but yeah. So we'll be doing Daft Punk next week. Um, there's no big events that I can think of that are coming up between now and next week, off the top of my head. Steve's got big plans for us for his pick the week after. That'll be the week after. Yes. And then uh, we're like I said, we're gonna have Broken Hungry hopefully on soon. Painless Parker. I'm working to have uh, Eli August. So other guests in the works. We'd love to have you guys again. Thank you for really? being with After us. This? We, we I had a great time. I actually, no, it was fun. I'm actually very excited at the prospect of us doing your podcast because oh, then we can be, talk nerdy stuff. That'll be great. So I, I don't know if you guys. We'll leave Steve at home. That's true. I kind of held I'll back. I'll come my on statement. without them. It's we fine. we are inclusive nerds, so music nerd does count to me. Yeah. yeah I, I did hold back yeah. a comment when you said before that. Oh, yeah, what self-respecting pop culture fan has to would not see a superhero-oriented film? There's other types of pop culture out there. I, I refuse it's not to, the point. I refuse to call them a, uh, a what you call it, a, uh, a cornerstone necessarily. When it's a summer and it, and it, there's a big when it, it's an event film and there's a Fair Superman event, movie event. It's a it's a summer film. But this, there's a lot this, of summer films. This isn't them trying to push you know Hawk and Dove on you. This is Superman. They he's kind of important and he's gotten yeah. They screwed up the last movie horribly. Offended With one almost, exception. What. Kevin Luther. Kevin Spacey was phenomenal. He was, he was the but best. I like Brandon Ralph too. I think he got. I think. But he, he really wasn't Brandon got... Ralph. He was Christopher Reeve. Yeah, no, I'm he just... wasn't Brandon Ralph. He was doing an impression. I realize and it wasn't I, even I, Superman. That's what I mean, I think yeah. he got really shafted by Brian Singer and and his love affair with all the crap he wanted to throw in that has nothing to do with Superman. Yeah. And just his either love affair with Richard Donner stuff or his love affair with the fact that well, this is what I think Superman means. It's like, but it's not. Yeah, but well, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate it. We had a great time, and thank we will definitely that. do this again. We'll work out a time when we can come on your podcast and talk nerdy things as well. Sure. So, um, if you could um, grace us with our sign off, um, John is going to write it down because I forgot to preface it. I would love for you guys to say our sign off. Enjoy us. your burrito. No, <laughs> like, no that's the nerd. How, how is that going to transition? That it was great. Have nervous. a week. No, that's Kevin Smith. Uh, yeah. 
Same bat time. Same. No. Okay. This is the dunk. You get the dunk. <clears throat> Do you want to say one half and also the other? Music is his life. Light and life is good. You screwed it I up. I did screw it up. <laughs> There's a plus. That there is a plus. All the time. You know. Fine. I'm taking the whole thing. Music is life and life is good. I did it. Music no, is I life and life is good. You. No, we each get cut, one now. Cut, cut, cut.